nice gem of rock and roll right there. Shaking Hands with the Devil, JT yes. Lux. So good. Dude, from the album Taken by Moonlight, yeah, the man. Power Trio. Yeah, these guys, and the, the cover of the album looks so cool. It's so vintage, man. It's just fantastic. It's, it's awesome. It's a great record. Great group of young guys, and uh, we are so pumped for this. The band's been together since 2020. They've, yep. they've been at this, and he, he, he got two guys to work with them mm -hmm. all over Instagram. They've been posting covers and, and yeah. live tracks. And the dude. videos are so cool. They're dude. so tight. Like, they're grouped together really close, right? Like, they're just jamming it out in, in like, a small room together, and it's is what it looks like. It's just so cool. They yeah. lock in. I mean, they're so tight. Yeah, the Zeppelin covers alone, I just, I mean, just do it. It's J-T-L-O-U-X. Yes, yep. Go to the page, check it out. Just, it's, yeah. you're looking at the future of rock and roll, and that's what this show is today. Yeah. We have another gentleman here as well, mm -hmm. Mason Pace. Yeah, Mason Pace, a Gibson-endorsed artist. The guy has so many cool Les Pauls, including that blue robotic one that was up on the wall. He's out of Florida. And uh, I, I'm really into, he's got a song that I'm really into, Born Again, which is just so, so good. Um, and he, he kind of takes a theatrical approach. Reborn is the track, I should yeah. say, Reborn. And uh, I mean, there's King of Hearts, Take a Look, so many great tracks. The album is King of Hearts, uh, came out this year. Another great it's album so cover. good. Yeah, it's another great album cover. <laughs> yeah, look at that. I mean, it's, it's fantastic. And it's just a great, great track and great collection. Um, yeah, super cool. They've got their own uh, logo and kind of their own... Uh, you know, very dark and mysterious thing yeah. going. Just awesome. So, today's theme, the future of rock. And New bands, JT yes. and Mason uh, are just killing it. Mm -hmm. And we are so, so pleased to, to bring the show to you. Shaking hands with the devil Hey, I'm JT Lux. I'm hanging with Dave and Shane from Rock of Nations. Yeah. All kinds of sounds. Mm, oh, this, yeah, absolutely. On this record, dude. Uh, 12 string guitar on. Uh, the title track taken by Moonlight, mm -hmm. uh, six string electric. Yeah, that Boom. that beautiful Epiphone Les Paul action that he's got going, and uh, yeah, these guys are just so good, so good. A lot of um, what would be the word? It, it just has a, a soundscape to it. This yeah. record, I love the atmosphere of it. I love the feel of this record. Yeah, it, it, the cover is a good example, and I have a feeling. It's very Just California. From, yeah, from what yeah. they're playing, they're going to go to a heavier direction. Yeah. I, I'm getting, are you getting that? I, I am. That's what I'm feeling. Like the next stuff they put out will go that way. Frank Hannon Productions, you know, we yeah. talked to Frank about, uh, he, he was just so pumped to even talk about, uh, um, you know, uh, JT Lux and one of the bands he's been producing and uh, recording at his house, you know, yeah. at, and and uh, he talked about you know what it was like to be at Frank Hannon's house and see all those guitars and and how cool you know just to be a part of it. Uh, what do you say we check in with Frank? Just hear some of Frank real quick uh, praising these guys. Check this out. I have three artists that I that I'm working with that 
they're all around the same age. And these kids love rock and roll, the old school rock and roll. But what's great about them is these kids are natural talents, man. I mean, they're truly a joy to work with because they got the natural ability. It's like, imagine like being custom auto and, and discovering Mike Tyson with his natural talent. You know what yeah. I mean? Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, or or discovering a young athlete that has that that natural thing. What that's what JT Lux and Red Voodoo and Austin Mo, these three kids I'm working with separately. And it's a lot of fun. And me being an old guy with a lot of experience, I can kind of coach them and and give them some direction. And when they listen and they try it and it works, it's it's rewarding for them and for me, you know? Yeah. On a musical level, and also I'm giving them ideas and consultation on on managing what gigs they take and what gigs they shouldn't take and trying to help them succeed. You know, it's a lot of fun. That was from the Frank Hannon interview we did um, a few weeks some back. Some kind but words. Yeah, some very kind words, man. And, <laughs> and Frank, you know, he, he said, you know, you could tell he felt like a proud father in a way. I mean, yeah. that, that's not a kid. Uh, but, you know, he felt so proud to, because um, he remembers those days when they were young and figuring it out with Tesla, right? And Brian, we kind of talked so cool. about the same thing. It's you know? so cool. Yeah, yeah. They do it with Red Voodoo. Yep. Right. They, they, they just care about the future of rock and roll. They do, yeah, yeah. And that's that's the theme of this whole thing. Man. Yeah, that's it. This I is mean, so exciting because, you know, we, we got to talk to Dino and the boys, yeah. you know, last year. Here we are now with, JT with Lux, another yeah. protege. Yeah, and, and, and they're just, and they're hungry. They're yeah. so hungry. That's how you do it. it. Yeah, and Frank Frank is on, man, with us. Yeah. It's just a fantastic thing. And great job that interview bro oh thanks man and, and you know it was uh but it was also just it was so cool like you know it's like hey we're doing our part as journalists to talk about the future of rock guys like uh like frank hen and they're doing their part producing these bands scouting these bands and, and it takes all of us man to embrace and support that next generation of rock and roll yeah. and it's happening right now it's the coolest thing ever Woo! I, it's just refreshing to me to hear young people into rock and roll yeah the way i don't know i i think like jazz is jazz. Jazz mm -hmm. should always stay jazz. Rock right. should always stay rock. And radio doesn't care about rock anymore. Right. But the fans do. Mm -hmm. Just as the same with like traditional country, you name it, bluegrass, whatever. Fans still want that kind of music. Right, right. And and this album, this debut album is is a great example of rock and roll in twenty twenty one. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Where it's going and like you said, you get the feel for where they're going after that heavier and straight up, man. And that's what it's, it's just, I'm so fired up. Dude, I uh, love that. Bed of Roses. Mm -hmm. Just kill it. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, they're just good. Just too right off the top of my head. Yeah, and ju just a really cool uh, set of soundscapes. Fast, real fast track. Boom, boom, boom. Yep. Yeah. The key and... word here today is boom. <laughs> blow, them up, <laughs> blow it up. Yeah. Um, yeah, because you could you could tell like when they're playing live that they're just gonna like it, they'll melt your face off, man. You know, sick and twisted, right? I mm -hmm. mean, oh yeah. And uh, love is a drug. I think he talked about the story there. Um, you know, there was a, I, I think there was somebody in his life. You know, so he talked about you know the meaning of some of these songs. You yeah, know? and, and uh, love is a drug. It is. You know? Yeah. What else do you dig about this record? I mean, um, a lot of harmonies. Yeah, I love the a harmonies. Guitars. A lot of harmonies, a lot of guitars, very kind of California strip feel, you know. Yeah. I mean, it, it's got that, um, you know, back when bands kind of like, I think a lot of those early bands by their third record in the 80s were doing kind of this kind of thing, you know. Yeah. Um, and so it's got that maturity to it already. And, and it's like, God, where are they going to go next? Because it's, it's there's so much there, you yeah. know, and um, just excellent stuff. I mean, the, the, lead, the guitar work is just on point, man.
Yeah, I, JT is 21. Mm-hmm. Uh, the drummer is Zach Cook, is 19, yep. at least at the time of this taping. And bassist Ethan Pecha is 22. Mm-hmm. I hope I got that right, yeah. Ethan. Don't be pissed at me. <laughs> yeah. We do our best, yep. It's late. It's very late. <laughs> yeah, they teamed up, uh, again, as we said, with Frank Hannon, and they worked on uh, uh, the, their uh, full-length LP. Um, the single, I think it started with the single The Eagle, right? Which yeah. came out over summer. And, yeah. uh, you know, these guys were pulling a lot of inspiration from, like, Royal Blood, Dirty Honey, right? And many yeah. other bands, Rival Sons. Yeah. I, I kind of see it in that same vein of things. Yeah. And, and he talked about his influences, you know, obviously Zeppelin, The Beatles, Jeff Buckley, he's a fan of. Um, He he went through to um, some of the more modern influences he's into. Like, everybody likes the Foo Fighters, of Mm -hmm. course. Queens of the Stone Age, Josh Josh Homme. Royal Blood was one of them. Mm -hmm. Joyous Wolf. uh, The the Mighty Jack White. Yeah, yeah. Um, And heck, even The Doors. So, Diamond Dave, what what song should we shall we go into here, my brother? How about that title track, my man? How about uh, "Taken by Moonlight"? Yes, set some mood, and it's good, man. Taken by moonlight, save it for tonight when I see you. Something don't seem right. Where's your appetite? Oh, my love and affection Oh, my love and affection Yeah, we got uh, JT Lux on the line uh, talking about his debut album here. And this is a really cool, I mean, there, there's a lot of uh, crackling tunes on this one, man. I mean, it's smoking. Taken by Moonlight is the album, of course, produced by Tesla's own Frank Hannon. And uh, JT Lux, the name of the uh, artist, songwriter, singer, and of course the band. Uh, JT, how you doing, man? Great. How are you, man? Thanks for having me, by the way. Yeah, dude, absolutely. Thanks for coming on. Uh, this is your debut record. You you worked in this with the legendary Frank Hannon, uh, a Sacramento guy, kind of like yourself, I imagine. Um, what was that like, and how does it feel to have this uh, eight songs out here uh, coming out? How does that feel, man? I mean, I can't describe the feeling. It's just so amazing, and um, especially me. I grew up just a guitar player um, my whole life, and I never saw myself as a singer, and uh, Frank was actually the one who encouraged me about a year and a half ago to start to pick up singing and I had never really even sang a note before and and he just told me that you know I need to have the confidence and I need to be more independent and everything and he guided me through that struggle at the beginning and uh you know I couldn't be more thankful for that and to be able to get this record out and and to be able to do it through one of the roughest times I think ever with COVID and everything we were able to 
persevere and get past that. And I think, um, I think all of us won't, we will, we'll never forget this, this whole year and, and how much experience and, and what it means to us, you know? Yeah. It must've been a crazy time to do all that writing with everything going on, you know, uh, with everything going on. Right. I mean, Shane, you and I, we, we always wonder how do artists get creative in this time? You know, Shane, we talk about it all the time. Yeah, it's uh, it was it was interesting in the beginning because we started the band at the beginning of COVID. Well, like two weeks before everything shut down in March, and uh, we had all these plans and everything, and and obviously none of them, you know, worked out for 2020. But it did allow us to work on writing a lot, and I think that that is actually the most important aspect of songwriting, and that's what uh, Frank taught us um, the most was to work on songs and just keep working on it, you know. You could be the best cover band in the world, but if you don't have the songs to back up, um, to back it up your own originals, it's not going to mean anything. And so he really encouraged us to sit down, write, and, and just work together. And And it worked out really good with, with the band that I have right now with uh, Zach Cook on drums and Ethan Peck on bass because they grew up best friends. And so um, them just jumping right in the project, that, that chemistry that they had allowed us to... Uh, work on songwriting pretty much within the first two weeks of starting so yeah, the record pretty much started two weeks after the band got together oh that's awesome what I, how old is everyone in the band are they pretty young because because frank frank started uh when he was in tesla when he was 15 and uh we talked to we um we talked to brian and he was i think brian was what 17 dave yeah something like that real young yeah I mean, yeah. How old? yeah, so um, I just turned 21 and uh, the drummer's 20 years old and the bass player's 22. So we're, we're all we're all within the same age range. And, um, you know, I started working with Frank when I turned 18. I started working on his ranch, um, tending to the horses and everything. And we exchanged that for studio time because, you know, I, I was just about to graduate high school and I didn't have any money. And so he. He saw it as an opportunity for me to learn a lot in the studio. And I saw it as an opportunity for me to just learn as much as I can from a legend, you know, like Frank. That's amazing. How did you guys end up meeting? Like how, how did that whole thing start? Um, it was, um, it was interesting because he had seen a couple of videos of mine on Facebook and I've, I've been posting stuff when I was like 15 or 16. And I used to go to a lot of Tesla shows when I was like nine or 10 years old because my parents were, were huge fans. And so there's a bunch of, of old photos of me out there where I, I made my own Tesla shirt and I made the own, my own logo and everything. I spent like three days on it in like fourth or fifth grade. And, uh, you know, so I had met him a couple of times backstage and, and he, he had known about me a little bit. And um, he said that I caught his eye because I played guitar I wasn't necessarily a shredder. I played a lot more slow and melodically. I did a lot of like uh, Gilmore inspired solos and stuff. And so he said that he could, that that caught his eye. And then he started working with me with my previous band after I turned 18. And uh, when that fell through, he started to encourage me to start um, singing and be totally on my own. That's awesome, man. So this is a dream come true for you as a Tesla fan and for your parents too, I imagine, you know, since they were fans, it's pretty cool. Yeah. They, um, my parents are in the love song video back when, when they were like 24 years old. So. Oh my God. Oh, wow. What are they doing in the video? Like, I, like there's a banner in there. One of the banners, it's like a bunch of them, but one of the banners, you can see my mom and dad holding them up. And it's so it's, a, it's just a trip to see, like, see that, you know, 
back in the eighties and now to, to today to be able to work with Frank is such an honor. So cool, man. It's like full circle. <laughs> yeah. Wait, what, what, JT, like, what, what would you say some of your influences uh, would be like getting into, into rock and roll, getting into metal, like where, what, what really st stood out to you and, and pulled you in? I would definitely say in the beginning, because I was just a guitar player, it did focus a lot on guitar based um, uh, music, you know, with Hendrix and everything and, and all, all those guitar guys. I got into the Beatles when I was in middle school. I bought this book. At the, or I bought this book at the library and it was a it was like a 200 page thing with a bunch of Beatles uh, pictures and them in the studio. And I was like, uh, I was like fascinated by that. And I remember, you know, sitting down in science class reading that book while like kids were making fun of me because I like this old old man band, you know, so it was funny. But, you know, I, I it was something that I really enjoyed. And so I, I started getting into that older type of music and then you know, way later on when I started singing, um, you know, Frank brought up to the idea of, of just starting really simple with really low stuff. And, um, you know, Jim Morrison from The Doors came to mind. So I started singing his stuff, Frank Sinatra. And, and then I started building my range from there. So um, my range was very limited when I started and, and I just started expanding it every day. And I'm, I've never taken vocal lessons, but, you know, I've, I've learned a lot from just doing it and doing it every day. And learning what's what's wrong and you know some nights I go home from practice with my voice feeling horrible and then I go okay let's not do that next time around <laughs> okay yeah I, I've always wondered that that's interesting you know that um to to learn as you go along and kind of pace yourself and you're right there's a template sort of for every vocal style so that's that what was that a bit of a relief in a sense to know to know that you can still record you can still produce you know, even if you don't have your voice the way you wanted at first, there's still a lot you can you can do with it musically. Yeah, and I had a lot of resources um, uh, when I had just turned, you know, right before I had turned 20 years old, because I was living at Frank's for a while, living at his house. He was helping me through some rough times. And so I had access to a lot of this um, studio equipment that um, he let me borrow very graciously. And it, recording your voice is, is such a, I, I, it's such an important tool because, you could sing something a hundred times and think you're singing it good, but if you don't hear it back, you can't, you can't tell what it sounds like. So I started recording my voice every single day, hours and hours. And, and then I started toning it back because I would, I would lose my voice because I didn't know how to control it. So I had to find that balance, but yeah, I, I think um, there was some relief in me because I had always looked up as to singers as these really high vocalists, people that can hit these really, really high notes. And, and so I, that's why I never saw myself as a singer, but I realized that, you know, everyone just, everyone that's a singer is just being themselves. You know, they're not trying to be someone that they're not. People that sing high have a naturally high voice. People that sing low have a naturally low voice. So once I found that out, it made me a lot more confident. And I think that confidence is pretty much half the battle of singing, you know? Totally, man. Did yeah. it, knowing that and getting into and finding your, your voice, did that really make you uh develop a respect for those who came before you know oh, Robert. Sure. yeah definitely i think um uh when you listen to a music as uh, a guitar player you focus on the guitar obviously right my whole life i had never focused anything anything about the melody or the lyrics or anything and then i i listen i go back and i listen to the, all these songs that i'd grown up listening to and it's like 
it's like it's like listening to the song for the first time again so you're you're rediscovering everything and and i have i have a tremendous amount of respect for people that can they can sing and play at the same time because that's that's what i do with the trio you know i'm the only guitar player so um playing all the guitar parts and singing at the same time and then going from lead back to rhythm you know i have a huge respect for all those guys that are able to do that on a such a professional level every single night and to be able to do it night after night is such an amazing uh thing not not necessarily a gift but something that they that they're maybe were naturally born with but also they had to work really hard for it you know well it's an interesting point too because you talk about the groove that you know when you saw the other two guys um you knew that they were the ones you wanted you know and how how important is that i mean because i know when, when you're doing the solo like so, or the, the rhythm and you go to the solo sometimes you you can lose that this that structure you know like it, it, but but you guys have a way of working around that it's like was that part of what you were looking for when you saw how groovy those guys were yeah the pocket and and how um how they work together you know first of all on a on a human level as a friends you know they they really stuck out to me as such a down-to-earth people you know and, and that they were they were in in the project for the music which is something that was really important you know they they weren't they weren't coming to the project just because I was working with Frank they were coming to the project because they liked the music that I had been writing and they really wanted to work on it with me and you know we, we worked a lot on on like developing the sound and you know the bass player Ethan he uses a Rickenbacker and and, and it, it fills out the sound so much and he's got these pedals that you know, he can turn on and off during certain parts of the song that make it almost sound like a second guitar player. So we spent a lot of time on arranging and making sure every little detail was intentional because I think that that was what was missing um, in my bands, my previous bands, you know, as, as a teenager was just that structural, you know, experience and, and learning how to, to actually write a song. So. Cool, man. What, what would you say, uh, some of the things that, that Frank has taught you that, that really stand out in these last few years? Um, I, I would say definitely um, the confidence thing is to just go into everything with, with confidence and, and prepare well and, and, you know, just be yourself. I, I remember even like, like two weeks ago, we had just done a show and I was, I, I sat down with Frank afterwards and I asked him, I said, what can I do better? You know, I want, I want to keep getting better and better. And he's like, you know, I watched the show and I thought it was great, man. I thought you did good at, you know, you just keep being yourself. And, and he, he really emphasizes that to being a hundred percent yourself and, and genuine because as, as soon as you become someone that you're, you're not, the audience can feel that too. So that was something that he taught me through experience, not only music, but in the real world too. And I think that, working on this property has helped me um, develop those skills, you know, the work ethic and everything that, that goes into the music business. And I think the whole thing is, you know, it's like a metaphor for, for working really hard and, and, and to be able to accomplish everything that we get to do. And, and uh, yeah, so I, I just think that I'm just super grateful that he's able to teach me those types of things. Seeing those guitars and everything in that studio must've been just like, yeah, <laughs> I want to do this. <laughs> Yeah, definitely. I mean, it's, he's got so many guitars. Uh, it's, it's insane. It's insane. Like, uh, I walked into his studio and it was like 50 guitars and I was like, you got a lot of guitars. He's like, yeah, it's not even like half of them. I was like, <laughs> <laughs> do you, uh, do you get to hang out with Dino and, and the guys from, 
from uh, Red Voodoo. Yeah, we've done a couple shows together, and um, uh, he did. He sat in with um, uh, the band a couple weeks ago. Actually, we played at the Dallas Guitar Festival in May, and my band actually got to back up Frank doing all his songs, and we we got to do our own original set to open the show and everything. So that was really cool. And then um, like the last four or five songs, Dino came out and sang couple Tesla's tunes and and so it was really fun you know it's it's cool to work with work with guys my age and everything and to be able to um keep that rock alive you know I think that's what what our main goal is to do is to keep that that genre going yeah tell us more about like those influences you had I mean some of the names we didn't I know you mentioned Gilmore and obviously Tesla and some others but like tell me like who are some of the others that um especially like songwriters that, that you kind of picked up on over the years uh songwriters i mean recently i got into the allman brothers a lot i mean i mean they're amazing songwriters and and um i got to sit down with you know well frank's wife is um the daughter of the guitar player dickie betts so okay. she's got to sit down and tell me a lot of stories about um his process and 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 i got a really good inside scoop of of you know the 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 creating creative process that they go through and and so it was really cool to, to hear all that and uh so yeah the allman brothers and um a lot of 60s and 70s bands you know but like there's a lot of modern bands out now that i really admire like um joyous wolf and uh dirty honey and um i know some people bag on greta van fleet for sounding like zeppelin but i mean i think that they did something really important was to bring that rock back into the spotlight for a lot of people and i i think it opened up it opened up a lot of doors for for rock bands nowadays and so there's a lot of modern bands that inspire me to this day i mean like i said uh jack white from the white stripes he's he's puts out a couple um solo albums that were amazing and so i get influenced through so many different avenues that i think um it allows me to kind of like when i write my own music i don't know if it necessarily sounds like one particular artist but that's kind of that's kind of the more modern artist that I, I get influenced by. I dig it, man. That's cool. Yeah, I'm from Michigan, so the, the Greta Boys and and uh, Jack White. I'm I'm just so proud. Anytime there's uh, some DJ yeah. or Michigan rock and roll out there, I love it. It's awesome. Yeah, man. Yeah, Detroit's like the center of rock and roll, really. Yeah, and Dave Edwards in the loop too. Can't forget them. <laughs> yeah. For Iggy Pop, MC5. Yeah. Woo! What, yeah. what, what, uh, what song on, on Taken by Moonlight would you say most uh, personifies the trio? That's a good question. I haven't, I haven't had, had that question been asked before, but um, uh, the first track, Shaking Hands with the Devil, was a such a fun track to record. Um, the original uh, demo of it didn't really have in the verses, the stab type guitar with the very staccato. But uh, that was actually Frank's idea was to, to bring that more punchiness. And, and then when the chorus hits, it opens up and that's, that, you know, all that type of like uh, arranging and everything was a lot to do with his experience and everything. So that song is so fun to play live because it, you know, just being able to feel it and everything and, and uh, you know, the backup vocals and the harmonies and everything. So that's one of them, you know, it's hard to choose honestly but uh there's a track the fourth track on the on the record is called love is a drug and that song is, holds a very special place in my heart because we had worked on that song for a long time 
and uh you know we had the verse part already done and the, me the melody and everything but we had tried a couple different courses and they didn't really work very well and one night frank came into the studio and we sat down with him and and then I had this idea, and, but I could, I could never really finish it. So he helped me actually finish the idea. And the chorus became what it was on the record. And the next day in the morning, we came back into the studio and we sat down, recorded it live in the room. And the first take is actually the actual take on the record. So it was a one take thing. So it was really cool. And we've, uh, we've talked to a few guys recently who they kind of, you know, whenever they can do that, get that one take, you know, deal it, it's it's almost like the most alive right Shane there were a few people I think yeah. who said that so that, that I dig that that's that's always cool and you get that, that that live feel as much as you can on a recording too yeah we used this whole record actually we didn't use a metronome on um which was Frank's idea as well because uh back in the day they they had their slogan was no machines on on the back and yeah. and so uh you know he 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 sat down with us and he's like Hey, um, you know, all these great records from the 70s and 80s, you know, they not a lot of them didn't use a metronome. And and you you think about like Van Halen one and two, like you could tell they weren't using the metronome and everything. So and, and to have having such a killer drummer like Zach, uh, he was able to um, we were able to get through the songs really well without having any trouble. And he was able to, you know, speed it up and slow it down in certain parts to where it felt really natural. And I think it was probably the most fun process of a rec recording a record for me because it allowed us to just get in the room and jam and just, and just, that's what it was. You know, we couldn't change it much once, once it was done because we didn't record to a metronome. So you couldn't really punch in and punch out as much as you'd think or take parts out and in. Mm -hmm. So I think um, it allowed us to be more in tune with the song and, and in the moment. And so a lot of the solos on that record, um, were improvised in the live studio so if the, if you were to like listen to the track you could hear the drum bleed in there too so i love that man that's so that, cool yeah that's the best way I, I just from folks we've talked to you know over the years that that's sounds to me like that's the most effective type of of guitar solo you get in this kind of situations when you just kind of go in there and not wing it but you know <clears throat> you're in that frame of mind where you have to you know, and yeah, definitely. I, I think that um, uh, every time that I've tried to orchestrate a solo, like every part out of it, I listen back to it and it, it sounds robotic. <laughs> so there's something to be said about just going in there and feeling it. Yeah. Is there, um... oh, go ahead, Shane. I'm sorry. No, no, you can, I, JT, you can see that on YouTube a lot where, where people were, very adept at playing their instruments, but it's just, it's kind of like you said, robotic. It's just uh, chords and the feeling's not there. And, you know. They're looking at the camera all the time. And, you know, it's like, I, I know it's like, they're looking, hey, see what I'm doing? You know, <laughs> sometimes I can, it's like, no, feel it, just feel it and do it. <laughs> That's what I loved about Pink Floyd and listening to David Gilmore play was his feeling. And, you know, he could play five notes and, and tell a story with those five notes. And that's what I learned. That's how I grew up learning guitar. I never really, I, I you'll never see me be able to sweep, pick or shred because I can't do it. <laughs> but I mean, that's because I learned, I, I grew up on Gilmore and, and uh, you know, I don't think I would take it back for anything either. 
what do you like for guitars? What's your, you know, what catches your eye in terms of gear, tone, you know, like, uh, or are you in a constant state of discovery? Like, because there's so much out there. It's, it's a, yeah, honestly, yeah, I think that's a good point is in a constant state of discovery. I mean, recently I just started running two amps on stage and uh, I've got this ABY uh, y splitter that I, I plug into and I'm able to turn one amp on and one amp off or both of them on at the same time. And uh, I've been using a Fender as my main and then a Vox. And I usually hit the I usually hit the Vox on during the choruses and solos to make it sound more thick and full as okay. a trio. And, um, you know, I run a pretty basic um, pedal board system. You know, I, I love the full tones. They, they, they sound really thick. And, and, and uh, I have this uh, Epiphone 1955 reissue. It's a 2018, but it's, um, it's a reissue of a 1955 and it's got P90s in it. And that P90s uh, sound, I just really love that. So, but you know, maybe five years from now, I won't like it, but you know, like you said, I'm in a constant state of uh, discovery. I think that's a good way of putting it. P90s are punchy, man. They can sing too. That's awesome. Yeah. yeah. Were you, uh, were you a little reluctant to, to do the trio thing or was that just a natural fit for you? Is that you never, you never felt like you wanted any any extra players um you know i originally was going to be just solo just an acoustic guy and so i think um when i when i added the rhythm section with uh ethan and zach i think um it just felt right to keep it you know how it how it was and you know maybe one day we'll eventually add some another person that that maybe plays keys and guitars at the same time and whatnot but um I think um, for keeping everything simple and keeping, because, you know, it's hard to keep a band together. Honestly, I, I went through from the ages of 12 to 19, I, I had so many different bands and it's all, it never really works out, you know, and, and the more people you have in there, the more complex it gets. And so um, having Ethan and Zach, you know, be best friends and, and committed to the project, I, I felt it was just right to keep it a trio and keep it simple and, keep building that chemistry as a trio and work on my, I think it challenged me too, to be able to, okay, how can I make this part, you know, not boring, but complex, but also be able to sing over it and, and also be able to jump around on stage and do it at the same time. So, you know, there's a couple different aspects, but I think that the trio was always something that I wanted to do. And I think we've accomplished that. That's so cool. Uh, are you guys, um, you know, you, you've talked a little bit about how you, you saw those guys play at the clubs. What's the scene like out that way? And, and well, I'm sure not much now, but what's it typically like? And, and how hard is it to not be out there right now? You know, it's definitely tough uh, this whole year and a half. Now it, it's crazy. Now it's been a year and a half. You know, I, I, I keep saying this whole year, but it's almost June. So it, it gets it gets crazy when you start thinking about time and everything. But the, the club scene out here is pretty cool. I mean, there's a band that came out of, of um, Roseville, which is like, you know, 20 minutes from where I live. And uh, I actually went to high school with those guys. They're called Vista Kicks. Okay, yeah. I don't know if you guys have ever heard of them, but the they opened for the Stones. Last... Oh. Yeah, they opened for the Stones last summer. Oh, man. And um, yeah, so, and, and I got to see them at a club in Sacramento in 2016. And that was actually one of the main reasons why I decided to grow my hair out and, and become like a rocker guy, because I, I saw them, you know, rocking out in the club and everything. And, and it was such a 
they they were so such such so good at, and and just like at captivating the audience and and another band I, I mentioned Joyous Wolf I went and saw them uh, at another club here in Sacramento they opened for Buck Cherry and they just blew everybody away I mean I didn't even expect I didn't even know there was going to be an opening band really and when they when they got on stage the singer was doing backflips and everything and and they were commanding the crowd and so. I think that sometimes those bands, those underdogs that come out of nowhere, I think they um, they really inspire me and and the energy that they give off. I think is such an important aspect of of playing and and like you said, we we haven't been we haven't been able to play much shows. We just started getting out this this month of May because everything started opening back up. Um, got to play a couple shows in Oklahoma and Texas and stuff. But uh, now that everything is going to start opening back up again, I think uh, we're going to start booking more shows here. I mean. We, have, we haven't played a show here before because we started during COVID. So, yeah. you know, we just start, we, we played to a wall for the entire year. We just played to our practice wall. Oh, and so <laughs> at a certain point, it became hard to tell if uh, what we were doing was going in the right direction. But having someone like Frank that was reassured, it was very reassuring during a tough time like that. It's a lucky wall. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you. I love it. Um, his artwork like I was that is that that like your um, idea or did you uh, work with Frank on that or that's a really really cool cover it like looks like a wood wood cut yeah we we wanted it to look kind of like a wanted poster from the 1800s and so <laughs> it's got that yeah it's got that aged kind of white and we worked with this guy named Dwayne Surface he's a he's been working with on Tesla um, artwork for years and I, I was able to do Zoom with him a couple of different times and we had gone through the idea of putting our faces on there, but almost making it look cartoonish, but realistic at the same time. And um, working with a guy like that, it's it's like working with a musician that's really good at their craft too. They just, they can do exactly what you're thinking in your head and they can put it on paper. And so, yeah, it was a, it was a mixture of, of a lot of different ideas that, come, that cultivated into that one final uh, cover that you see right there so it's a killer it's title too, man. it's like that title is, is so rock and roll i think yeah. you know? hey thanks man we just uh made a music video for taken by moonlight too it just came out about two or three weeks ago all right we'll link to that on our social media sorry shane i, I didn't that's, mean to well. it's a badass hat do you actually have that hat the yeah that's, that's actually uh frank's hat he let me borrow it and it's a uh, Jimi hendrix hat so right on yeah, it's pretty cool. And, and um, like I said, we just shot a music video. We shot the music video for Taken by Moonlight in Frank's backyard. And it, it looks like it's in a forest because he's got a cool got a cool uh, area out there. And uh, we what we did is we wanted to uh, record the music video at night. I wanted to shoot it in the pitch black. And the videographer was like, I don't think that's going to work, dude. <laughs> There's not enough light. And so we came to the solution that uh, in order to simulate moonlight, we had to hang these um, sheet. The, we got these queen size sheets and we hung them like 20 feet in the tree. And then above that, we tied um, lights above that and it, sh it shined down and diffused the light to look like moonlight. And so uh, it turned out really cool. And, and I mean, it's, it's really awesome that we were able to uh, do it on such a tight budget, but cause I, I love, um, uh, Harry Potter movies and the yeah. forest, the forest in those scene always look cool. But the way they did that is like with, 
you know, $50,000 lights. And we didn't think we were going to be able to achieve something like that, but we did. So. That's awesome, man. Yeah. Sometimes you never know. Shane, you know all about that. Like just kind of, he's a, a videographer and so he can do all these really cool uh, silhouette things. And I don't know, man, he's the master. <laughs> I try, but what's the, the best uh, Harry Potter? Um, what's the best Harry Potter book? Oh, book. Yeah, I read. I got. I got to like the seventh or eighth book. I, I love the fourth one. Like the fourth one was my favorite. Yeah. But I mean, uh, the first one too is also holds a special place in my heart because I I read those in elementary school and middle school and just those those uh, memories of reading those books and that was actually right around the time that I started getting into guitar seriously was around 2011. I I had just. Uh, gone from fifth grade into sixth grade and uh was that transition of like you know i was reading books and everything and then all of a sudden it just went into guitar and it was like oh i'm not i know i hadn't really read books in years i just was playing guitar every day every time i every day i come home i play guitar for like five or six hours and it consumed my life but you know it was something that was really positive for me and i was able to use it as an outlet cool there's a lot of metal themes in there too rock and roll themes in a lot of those books you know oh yeah definitely well uh robert plant used that uh, J.R.R. tolkien as an influence for a lot of those early zeppelin records is there any uh, harry potter influence coming in any of uh your stuff uh lyrically sometimes yeah i mean i look at the um the uh content within the books and I would actually look at some for lyric inspiration. I would, I would, you know, look into those books and, and the language they were using. And so I would use that sometimes, or, or I would use, you know, I would just sometimes open up a dictionary itself and just find a bunch of random words and just try and find inspiration in that. And sometimes it would spark a song and sometimes it wouldn't, but I found it pretty effective to, to take from other people's you know language and, and try and interpret it in my own way. And, Actually, the the Taken by Moonlight, the original like uh, ideology behind that was, um, you know, scenes from Harry Potter with uh, the reflection of the pond and everything and, and the, the forest and everything. And so for it to come back around full circle um, to be able to do that in the music video and be able to do something like that. Um, you know, I, di I didn't feel right shooting Taken by Moonlight in the, in the middle of the day, you know. Yeah. <laughs> Unless you did like a funky video effect or made it a negative or something like a photograph. Nah, nah, nah. <laughs> yeah, we, we wanted to try and stay authentic. And and so we ended up shooting that video at like nine o'clock at night and using as many lights as we could with a bunch of queen sheets all like <laughs> all around us. So that's cool. Yeah, that's cool that you really like that because a lot of bands are like sort of eh, they don't want to do the video. And sometimes it really shows, you know. Yeah, I, di I didn't want it to just be a, a video of us performing, which is a lot of bands, you know, unfortunately do. I think um, a music video should be an extension of the song itself. And uh, another example, we shot a music video for Waited So Long, the second track off the album. And uh, I wanted to be, you know, a couple scenes where we were acting in it and it turned out really good. And, and uh, I think it just extended the meaning of the song and allowed people to interpret it more in a way of their own and, and to be able to to listen to it in a different way, in a different light. Do you find yourself watching, like, um, for me, I, I grew up sort of in the 90s, and 
I think Shane in the 80s. And so we sort of remember the videos as they aired on MTV. They were sort of in replay, I guess, in the 90s by my time. But do you find yourself going online looking for those those classic videos and and just, you know, just taking in those moments? Yeah, definitely. I think looking back at what's what, you know, in history 20, 30 years ago, what worked on music videos still work today, you know a lot of the shots, the panning and everything, you know, they still, they still are, are relevant in today's music videos. And, and, you know, even in movies, when I'm sitting down watching a movie and I see a cool concept or a cool shot idea, you know, of, of either swooping or, or maybe it's like a, I've seen a couple ones where it's like a mirror effect where uh, they're going around and, and, it, and it, tri it trips you out. It, it, it thinks you think you're looking into a mirror, but it's actually the opposite or whatever. And so like, I find, I find inspiration in a lot of different things that I watch and music videos are one of them. But like you, like I said, uh, TV and movies is, you know, the cinematography that they do in there is such an amazing thing that I love to implement in more music videos in the future. What, uh, where do you see yourself in, in five years? Do you see like uh, a concept record? Do you see, um, what, do you, what do you see you guys doing? I, I definitely want to be getting on the road and, and opening for bands um, and, you know, to keep writing music. We, we've got, like, we've written over 40 songs, you know, from start to finish, but, you know, these were the eight, eight songs that we decided for this theme of the record, but yeah, I'll keep working on music and, and videos. I want to get more into, get more, more and more in depth into, you know, cool music videos and, and just, uh, all that all that stuff and and just keep uh grinding away opening sh doing, doing shows opening shows and and you know five years from now hopefully doing this full time and um right now i do i teach guitar lessons on the side but i'd love to uh be able to play every night and for a living that's awesome great way to earn some cash too doing what you love and kind of passing it to that that next generation too yeah yeah man it's very cool yeah there have been some amazing players that were guitar teachers i think Joe Satriani stands out pretty. Yeah. <laughs> Randy Rhodes, too. Oh, my God. Yeah, uh, Frank actually showed me. Um, Frank got to meet Randy Rhodes's mom, and he got these original. They're just on, like, line paper, and they're actually, like, it's in Randy's handwriting. It, it was photocopied, but it's it's his lesson plans and everything, so it's trippy to see the way he, he looks at guitar, you know? Yeah. That's, that's amazing, man. That's wild. Are you, uh, are you, uh, JT, are you a fan of a lot of the, that's kind of what the cover reminded me, going back to Desert and, and that cowboy thing. Uh, are you a fan of, of Desert Psych and, and Desert Music and all, all that uh, hard psych that's out there? Yeah, definitely. I think um, the Doors touched a little bit on that in songs like The End off their first record and, and stuff like that. And there's some stone psychedelic rock that's pretty cool out there um but yeah i think uh influence it definitely influences you and makes you think in certain ways and um yeah i love uh i love the idea the cinematography that you can do in a desert too i would love to do a music video in the desert at some point too you know that would be such a cool i, I have a, a lot of ideas but you know you never know which ones come to fruition and whatnot <laughs> i got so many ideas in my mind so i got to sit down with the video the videographer and ask him what is realistic and what's not because Sometimes, you know, it's not realistic to be strapped on top of a on top of a Cadillac driving down the road while you're playing the guitar. So pretty awesome. Huh? <laughs> I 
Yeah. Uh, you can always do the same thing as change the car. No, I'm kidding. Uh, <laughs> when you write, um, you know, do you feel like, do you feel the pressure to come up with everything sort of yourself? I know you said like you guys have 40 songs and you've worked together on it. Like, do you, um, how, how are you when it comes to like, out, like if people have ideas uh, for music who are either outside the band or the other guys have like a riff or something like, how does that, how does that work? Or does that factor in at all sometimes? Yeah, I try and um, for the most part, I work, you know, within my, within my own, self but I do love input and especially from outside perspective you know sometimes you'll listen you'll sit and, and work on a song for weeks and then you can't figure out what's wrong with it and some guy that barely, you know doesn't even really know much about music will come and be like well as a listener I think this part gets a little too stale so take that part out and then you take that part out and all of a sudden it's like whoa you know so it's it becomes such a refreshing uh point of view to listen to others and I think that's what's really important about writing music is to be able to listen to input and and take something even if something's if if it's something that can be perceived as negative like if somebody says well I don't like that part you can take something out of that and make it positive and be like well they don't like that part for a reason they're not saying that I wrote a bad part they're just doing what's best for the song and and we all do that in the band too you know like they'll come up with you know, Zach will be like, well, try a B chord there or try, try a C sharp minor there or something like that. So it, it really all factors into just once we get into a room, we just start jamming and, and, and vibing off each other. But the original idea usually starts with me with an acoustic guitar. But then when I bring it to the band, it, it kind of becomes more live and rock. And, and that's what I prefer. You know, I love input because, like you said, sometimes the pressure of, of trying to come up with something on your own can be a little overwhelming. So that outside input is actually really important in my opinion. Very cool, man. Are you, do you guys get to be involved with the mixing and everything? Is, is Frank kind of give you like all, you know, soup to nuts kind of experience when you're, when you're doing a record? Yeah, he gave me, I actually, I was able to have a lot of say, which is uh, funny because I just felt like I was just some kid, you know, what do I know? But Frank really treated me as a, as an equal and and he so he's super down to earth and humble guy and allowed me to try a bunch of different things and and see what didn't work and even if he knew something wouldn't work he'd let me try it you know and and then he'd be like well you know I just wanted to let you try it to let you know because I didn't want you to wonder you know so he would really allow me to do a lot of be very free in in the studio and and I think that that's why um I'm so proud of the record because um I was able to you know have my input and everything and so did the rest of the guys and we sat down and talked about it and we it's not like we had a deadline or anything I mean the COVID stopped everything so it was like if if we didn't like the a song we would just write another it's gonna be a great, great way to do it in a way because you know the bands we grew up with and, and maybe even Frank could tell you this is you know the writing on deadlines right I mean you know we'd read about how bands had to turn things around real quick and then hit the road depending on the label, depending on, you know, what was going on, but it had to be nice to have that, that extended time, you know, I mean, that's, that's something that will probably, I mean, I guess for many reasons, hopefully we never see again, you know, we don't want this to happen again, like the whole pandemic, but, you know, what a blessing to have, I guess, in disguise in a, in a sense for that, that part. Yeah. Oh, for sure. Especially for my singing development, because when we started, you know, I had only been singing for a couple of weeks you know, I'd only been seen maybe for a month or, or so. 
And uh, I didn't really have much experience. So I think this whole year, I mean, looking back at videos, I was surprised that Frank would even let us practice in his garage because, uh, <laughs> you know, I look back at videos, I'm like, really, that, that didn't sound good to me. And, and so to be able to develop our, our sound over time was a really important aspect of the isolation and everything. And, and having everything shut down, I think, um, allowed for more of a level playing field. But it gave us a, a, a leg up and an advantage. And as horrible as the, the whole pandemic has been, I think um, we always try and take the positives out of what we can. Yeah, Frank sounds really cool. It, he started young. You know, uh, they were a young band and from Sacramento, and and basically, it, it just sounds like he's repaying, you know, other people now the same way he was, you know, indoctrinated into the that world. Yeah, yeah. He he got a lot of um, advice from Ronnie Montrose back in the day when he was my age, you know, or when back when I was eighteen, nineteen. Um, that's this around the same time he's getting advice from Montrose on songwriting and everything. And so, um, he, he, he enjoys it a lot too. And he said, he's learned a lot from it. And, and so, um, you know, this time, cause thinking about it too, you know, he'd be on the road all the time with Tesla, you know, so we wouldn't have really been able to make a record like this as in depth as it was. And so it allowed us to, um, learn a lot in the studio but it allowed him to learn a lot too because you know he goes man I didn't even know that this plugin did this because he's always gone he's you know he always only comes home for a week or two and you know from the road for two months he gets home he's home for two weeks and it's like he barely gets to settle into his studio so it was a good time for him to learn a lot about his stuff too so he was very grateful for it it's so cool it's like when he gets to learn too you know after all these years it's that's awesome where, where do you want to play? Um, like when you when when you can get out and play, like are there cities you're just itching to play? Are there venues that you dream about out there? Yeah, I think uh, in general, it, for me, it's more of a general thing. I, I would love to go to the East Coast because uh, there's so many cities just that you can hit night after night, you know. As cool as the West Coast is, I mean, things are pretty spread out sometimes, you know. On this West Coast, you have like Seattle, you got like um, Portland, San Diego, Los Angeles, you know, Sacramento, they, but they're pretty spread out. And in, 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 in uh, the East Coast, you can hit cities every single night and not have to drive 400, 300 miles. And so um, that I think would allow us to get more exposure faster. So I, I think getting out there and, and I heard the scenes out there is insane right now in, in Nashville. Oh, and yeah. so, so I'm just excited to get out there and, and, you know, maybe play some shows in Florida. I've never really been out, out in that area before. So I think uh, not only for the music, but to, make, to be able to explore and, and see uh, different parts of the country. That's awesome, man. Yo, I can't wait to see it, man, when you, when you come to Philly. Yeah, definitely. I've never been, so I heard the uh, food's pretty good. Oh, yeah. food's, fans are crazy here. Philly fans are just, yeah. they love their... Oh man, they just uh, metal is still it's just huge here. Yeah, you guys are you guys are um, big baseball fans. It looks like in the background. Yeah, Phillies oh, yeah. and Eagles. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, my you guys won't like it, but my family's from Massachusetts, so they're oh, all Red okay. Sox Patriots. Oh, <laughs> the world up there. <laughs> yeah. No, I'm kidding. 
Yeah, it's, yeah, it's crazy out here. I mean, football, uh, you know, sports, music, like it, fans are rabid out here, you know, and it's, it's it's a great energy, I think, you know. Yeah, it seems like a, um, a lot of people out there are pretty loyal, too. Um, I know there's a guy out there right now. I think he's out in Philadelphia, uh, Nick Perry. Yeah, Nick Perry. yeah, we had him on, yeah. Really? Yeah, I'd love to I'd love to do a couple of shows with that guy because um, you know, he's an inspiration to me too. You know, he had a, another band in his late teenage years and he said he had to keep going through ups and downs and learn how to sing and, and become his own person. And then eventually the band became his name and now look what he's doing. He's doing great things, opening for Blackberry Smoke and doing all this crazy cool stuff. And and so, you know, he's an inspiration to me as a guitar player and singer. Yeah, he's a good dude, too. He was telling us, I think, when he opened for Van Halen in 04, they were just teenagers with Silver Tide. And, and uh, that'll be you guys to open up for, I mean, there's a million big bands, you know, that you guys will be going out with, man. I, I can see it now, dude. It's going to be so cool. Yeah, I, I, I also got um, uh, a text message. Well, Frank got a text message from the guitar player of Blackberry Smoke saying that he liked our song Waited So Long. So it's cool to hear from people that are out there doing great things complimenting me on a song that I wrote in my bedroom. So still cool, man. Yeah. You're killing it, man. That's that's the just keep doing it. Do you see uh another record coming that you out of these 40 songs that you uh you got enough for five there. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I think uh well we've been working on song we worked on songs last night. So we, we were in this um in the practice space for hours working on songs and so we're always working on it. And I think uh, it's just a matter of uh, uh, finding time with Frank to record them and everything and, and putting aside time to uh, really get get down and, and dirty and stuff like that. And But I think this whole rest of this year, we just re released a record two weeks ago. So we're going to ride that out and start playing some more shows now that things are opening back up and um, go through phases, I think, um, uh, you know, of writing then recording, then playing shows and touring and everything. So I think those cycles are really important. I think that that was one of the main things that was missing with COVID that was a pr pretty much a bummer was you would write all these songs, but you couldn't go out and see what people thought of them. You know, I think that that crowd reaction really tells you a lot about a song. And so um, we weren't able to get that. But, you know, luckily, like I said, there's a lot of po other positives to take out of it. But yeah, I think um, I think that those cycles that coming up is something that we're looking forward to. I mean, sweet man, yeah, we can't wait. Uh, I mean, this this album, taken by Moonlight, already is smoking, and uh, so we can't can't wait to hear the other stuff, man. That's <laughs> we, we love this. We love like you know we we've been talking to you know bands trying to do more. Um, you know, the, the younger generation like yourself, you know, fired up, and and I mean, you guys are the future, man, and it's happening now. It's so it's just. It's killer. Couldn't ask for anything more, you know? Thank you so much, man. We're excited to get out there and, and show people what we got, so. Are you uh, Did you uh, grow up uh, being an Eddie Van Halen fan? You know, we lost him still under a year from, and I know out in California, he's the biggest thing ever, you know? Did you, did you as a guitarist, were you always kind of um, driven to listening to him? When you were growing up definitely uh i think it's undeniable what eddie was able to accomplish and i think anybody that says he doesn't like him is lying or jealous you know so um he's an amazing he, he's an amazing player and, and he was able to accomplish so much and i think 
although I was never able to play like him, I think what I took away from him was his drive and his ability to write songs and, and his determination and his attitude towards music. And I think, like I said, it's undeniable that he's, he's an amazing legend. And yeah, he's pretty big out here in California. It was a huge impact when he passed away. Yeah, I can only imagine. I mean, we, we're, we're still, it's just hard to fathom, you know, it's like that gigantic force, all that talent just gone. It's, it's, ugh, it's too much to think about. Yeah, but his music will live on for the next 100 years easily. Yep. Amen, man. All right, man. Yeah. Well, hey, we, hey, do you have any first, uh, you know, we, we used to, Shane came up with this idea. We like to, yeah. Uh, like first uh, things, you know, like uh, do you want me to start it, Shane? Or you started, man. No, what's the first Tesla song you've ever oh, you ever? First Tesla song I ever heard. Wow, um, I think it might have been like Changes, maybe. Okay. With the piano know. intro and everything, was the first one when I was really young that caught my eye because it was all rock and roll, and then it would slow down to this piano, and I, you know, I think uh, ballads hold a special place in my heart too and so but i actually grew up on twisted wires which is funny because like you know frank sometimes he's like man i almost forgot we recorded that record because it, it was an acoustic version of a lot of their hits and everything but you know that came out in 2011 like right when i started playing guitar and every time my parents would go we'd take a trip to tahoe or reno that that cd would be in the in there just repeating itself over and over and so you know, what you gives on there and everything into the now. There's a lot of great songs on there. But, you know, recently uh, we uh, we were covering uh, Cover Queen, which is off their first record, which has got some really crazy cool parts in it. But, yeah, I think Changes might have been one of the first ones that, that caught my ear when I was a little kid. A good one. What about your first uh, pedal? First pedal. I think it was one that I have, I still have to this day. And I almost wanted to sell it when I was like 13 because I was pretty stubborn and I didn't think that it sounded good, but I just didn't know how to use it, you know? And uh, it's a full tone uh, MOSFET. Okay. And uh, yeah, and, and uh, now it's like my main thing that I, I use it all the time. It's got an amazing tone to it. And I bought it for like 150 bucks at a guitar center with my own money that I, I spent, you know, weeks mowing lawns for. And just like begging people for five dollars to so I can mow their lawn. So, wow. date myself here. What was the first album that you ever bought? Are you guys there? It froze yep. for a second. Oh, oh I did. Okay. Yeah. Sorry, I didn't. I missed the question. What was it? What was the? I might be dating myself here, but what? What's the first uh, record you ever bought? Record. Ooh uh do cds count because i never really bought a vinyl i mean yeah see, i i uh i remember um with my own money when i was like 16 or 15 i had to have been 16 because i had just got my license I, I bought appetite for destruction by guns and roses that was the first one i bought with my own money and put it in my cds but um i would go my first concert ever was uh queensryche all right. I saw them in 2009. And so their CD American Soldier um, was one of the records that, you know, my dad bought at the merch table that night and we listened to a lot. So, yeah. Right on. 
Yeah, those guys are pretty sweet. Uh, we're both huge fans. I love those guys. <laughs> yeah, it's it's cool. They got, you know, I mean, Jeff Tate's doing his own thing now and the other guys are doing his own thing. But uh, I got to meet Jeff Tate a couple times and he's such a cool guy. Uh, my dad and I brought him a wine bottle once at a, at, a, at a show and he really appreciated it. So, and he actually stopped and, and talked to us. And I think, um, you know, he's such, it's, it's, sometimes it's hard to find guys like that nowadays that, that will actually give you the time of day. Yeah. He is a wine connoisseur too. I've heard that. That's pretty sweet. <laughs> it's, yeah. I think he's kind of wine now. Yeah. He's one of the nicest people uh, I think we've interviewed really. I mean, oh, yeah. just salt of the earth. Super down to earth, yeah. Yeah, I think his first record was the Beatles, if I remember correctly. But what? yeah, I, mean, I think that's what it's about right, yeah. Darn from, be- from the Reich. <laughs> but, but very cool. Yeah, man. Love me, love me due to Queen Queen of the Reich. Yeah, dude. What? <laughs> well, is there anything else you'd like to add or Shane? Uh, anything else uh, comes across your mind? Uh, for me, um, uh, I'd love to uh, uh, let everyone know that we just launched a website, jtlux.com. That's J-T-L-O-U-X.com. And we have a lot of merchandise and everything. And you'll be able to uh, also see where we're playing next and everything. And uh, we've got uh, more music videos coming. So uh, just stay tuned for that. Uh, on Instagram is our main, uh, at jtlux. And then Facebook is our secondary. We, we do both. Uh, at JT Lux as well. Um, so you guys can go check us out and support us. And uh, just thank you so much for having me on the show. Absolutely. Are you going to get your uh, record pressed on vinyl? Is that something you guys are going to do? That's a goal. And it's something that I'd love to do. We, um, the CDs have been selling great. And I think uh, we decided that we wanted to see how the CDs would sell first. And so it's looking pretty good. But um, vinyl is very expensive to make, so uh, we just got to make sure that the demand is high enough to be able to get get enough out there for people. It will be. <laughs> it will be, man. Thank you. Absolutely. I remember Nick uh, Perry said that, that was the coolest thing when he actually got to hold his record and his the, the actual vinyl in his hand. He said it was just his hair stood up. <laughs> yeah, that 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 same thing happened to me last night with our CD. I just got it in the mail. I just got to be able to see what it looked like and to be able to feel it. You know, there's nothing like a physical CD. You know, I know everything's moving to a digital age, which is great. You know, that that gives more people access to music that otherwise probably would have never even heard us before. But there's something to me about the physical copy and to be able to feel it and touch it and read it. And and I think that that's why vinyls becoming more popular again is because people want something to be able to remember, you know, when. When their phone goes to shit, or I'm sorry for cussing, but when, yeah. their, <laughs> when their phone goes dies, you know, all the music is gone. And so I think that that's why vinyl, you know, that's why vinyl is such a commodity and will continue to be relevant for for a long time. Yeah, I'm a, I'm a big C, CD guy too, JT. I just think records are getting ridiculous, um, especially the, the original copies. Uh, but CDs have always had this incredible sound, and I, I, I have to have something physical. I can't stand the right. the phone. Can't do it. I want to look yeah. at the book too. I, I just love looking at that book, and you know. Oh yeah, yeah. I think uh, cassettes are pretty cool too. Yeah, they're coming back. They they are back. I mean, that's like Shane predicted that like what six months before it happened, I think, or something. And 
Ooh. I think Cena will come back too. Uh, Eddie Trunk, he agrees. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and like, there's nothing here. It's just, I, I mean, there's no, you can't. I remember sitting when I was like 16 and looking at the wall and, and just staring at it. I mean, I would just, I'd go over it and over it again. I'd read the lyrics. I, I you know, who played on that track? Who, oh, wow. Look, you know, and the artwork yeah. was insane. There's just that there's not that kind of experience a lot with a lot of the, the newer stuff. It's just digital. Yeah, that that um was something that Frank told me too is he would sit down when he was a kid and open the vinyl and look at Aerosmith. And though that was the only time you'd ever see Aerosmith, you couldn't search up on YouTube Aerosmith Live and see every video that they've ever done and every bootleg ever, you know. So I think that that mystique factor is sort of lost. And I think that's why like nowadays in new media things get old really quick because it's just cycles and cycles it's like a week later people are like when's your new album going to come out and it's like well we just released you know so it's like <laughs> so i think that media moves fast so there's pros and cons to that yeah yeah that's a good point though yeah that's how you would see those bands you know it's you know, there was no you know no internet for that yeah Wow, it's such, such a cool record, man. Thank you for, for talking to us. Yeah, thanks for having me on. I appreciate you guys listening to it and, and uh, spreading the word about it. I'm very excited to get it into people's ears and to be able to hear the feedback. So, Absolutely. And we'll link to your social media on our uh, pages. And uh, can't wait to talk to you again, man. JT Lux, really appreciate it, dude. Hey, thank you so much for having me on, guys. Philadelphia, Dave and Shane, yeah. and that is JT Lux with Kingpin. Wow, yeah, Dude. that's that's another punchy one, right? It's just he, the guy, he's great. He has the look, he can play, he has the voice, he plays like just a rip roaring wildfire, man. wildfire, exactly. And he's so, I mean, and so good. And I love how he's got that scruff now, you know, yeah. going like he's got that. He's changed his look a little bit. It's great, man. Uh, but it's all there. What I'm saying is he's the whole deal. He's the whole package. The album's awesome. I, and and that's uh, a, I wanted to ask him, like, because it's been a while since we've talked to him. Yeah, yeah. He was so fresh-faced when we right. talked to him. Right, he was. Yeah, yeah. He's aged like, you know, he's like a young, young man now. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Oh, and yeah. now, JT looks like one of the Eagles from about 1976. Yeah, right? I was going to say and he that, does. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, I can totally it's see it. It's a great that. look. It's a great look. It's a I very, love that look, man. very Kelly vibe. Very, yeah, Winslow, yeah, Arizona great. vibe. Yeah. <laughs> Sorry. Winslow, Arizona, baby. <laughs> yeah. He's probably got seven women Such on his mind. Such a fine sight to you know? see. Yeah, that's right. You know, four women that want to hold him, two that want to scold him, one that might be a friend of his. Oh. <laughs> I love that song. Poor anyway. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but, uh, yeah. But check I, out the record. It, it's a fantastic. Yeah. It's Frank Cannon Productions. Mm -hmm. Amazing. Uh, 2021. Yeah. 
you know. Taken by Moonlight. Amazing. Just so good. So good. And we don't just say that, folks. I mean, it is really, really a great debut. And, and I mean, the, the sky's the limit for these guys and beyond. Yeah. I mean, it's it's great. So cool. The future rock is, is uh, how should we say? Is, is strong. Yeah. Is, yeah. Very strong. Yep, absolutely. Thank you, Frank. Thank yep. you, JT, for your time. Uh, Very much appreciated. Absolutely. Can't wait to talk to you again. I, I know you're working on that second record, yeah, so. Yeah, I can't wait to, to hear it. Yeah, 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 I can't wait to hear what it sounds like. And those guys are just grooving. They're, they're so, like, locked in, man. So. And, and this New next heights. gentleman, man. This yeah. This next gentleman from... From Raton. Yeah, from Florida, uh, Mason Pace, uh, endorsed by Gibson. Uh, <laughs> and he, Kodak. And Kodak, yeah. Uh, open, played, uh, open for Phil Collins, right? Yeah. Uh, Joe Jett. Yep. And some others. Vince Neal, yeah. Ace Freely, yes. and Seriously. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And Ace, Ace and, Space and Ace. those guys with two Les Pauls, I mean, that, that would be, yeah. can you imagine them on stage together trading licks or something? And then my favorite, Cheap Trick. Yes, che yeah, oh yeah, yeah. And Mason is a super cool guy. Um, another young guy, future of rock and roll. Um, his band has, uh, and I love that. Like, if you watch the video for the song um, "Reborn," yeah, it is. Um, it's produced really well, and it has that very kind of dark, sort of mystical theme to it. There's a, yeah. they've got, you know, they have physical attire, clothing. They've got a whole thing going on. There's a look to their sound, and uh, it's it's awesome. I mean, these guys are. It's another tight band. King of Hearts. King of Hearts, yeah, with fantastic uh, graphics and yeah. the cover, right? It seems I mean, to be like I love. I'm loving the, this independent artwork. Isn't it great? Yeah, somebody has a great idea. Mike Skill. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. His <laughs> son, right? Yeah. yeah, it's great. It's so cool. JT, yep. another fantastic. It's like a cross between Shepard Fairey and something. Yeah. It's just a great. It look. is. Yeah, yeah. It's very vintage, vintage. look. Absolutely. Yeah. I hope he keeps that. You know, and we talked to Mason about this as well. I hope you keep that trend going with yeah. the look because it's a great, that would be a cool series of record covers. Oh my God, yeah, it'd be you so know, Queen great. of Hearts or yeah. Queen of Spades or whatever. Yeah, yeah, you know. a whole concept. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Freaking awesome. Oh my God, but, they're um, on something big. This is his second release mm -hmm. uh, this year as well, 2021. His first album was in 2018, I believe, uh, Whateverland. Yep. And uh, he got tremendous response from that record, which launched him on that yeah know, that tour itinerary there, which is just mind-boggling at his age. Yeah, it just got him started. And, I mean, there's tracks like, um, 
Oh, there's there's so many on here. I mean, uh, Take a Look is great. King of Hearts, The Road. Um, like I said, Reborn the Hooks on that one. You know, we, we were talking to David Coverdale from Hook City. He said they call yeah. that studio Hook City. You got to have hooks. And he's got some hooks on their stuff, man. It's it's uh, Mason is just, he's doing something really awesome. Yeah. Know? The thing I got out of both of these gentlemen, they're just so bright. Yeah. Both so bright. Yeah. So uh, Mason's going to yeah. school for, uh, I think it was a degree in marketing mm -hmm. at, at uh, was it Florida Atlantic University? Yeah. So. And he has taste in, uh, <laughs> he certainly has a, a taste for, um, I don't want to say the occult, but like he, he's aware of various mystical themes and yeah. things like that. You know, you could tell in his writing that he, he researches uh, a lot of uh, ancient themes and ideas, you know, yeah. and I like that. It's very, I mean, it's very maiden, very priest, right? You know, yeah. uh, and he, he delivers it in, in a very original way. Um, just, I'm really happy. I'm proud of both these guys. I love what Mason's doing. It's awesome. Yeah. The EP King of Hearts came out in August mm -hmm. of, of this year. It was the first week of August. Uh, I, I like the dark nature of, yeah. like, like you said. I mean, I don't want to use the word goth, but there's just a dark nature to Mace. They're both different artists, JT and Mace. Right. And I, I think that's why it's so cool to have them side by side in the show. Because you don't want everyone being exactly the same as the next next guy and the right. next guy and the next guy. It's just... Uh, yeah. I don't know. There's a it, he talked about rebirth. He talked about, um, you know, his sound has changed. The age of wisdom, right? Yeah, yeah. and he's he's growing as an artist, and mm -hmm. you can hear it in, in, in between the two releases. Yeah, but, they have, they have two shows coming up too at Margaritaville um, Beach Resort in Hollywood Beach, Florida, and also on December 11th they're going to be playing right uh, the on. Funky Biscuit. So look at that artwork, how cool that is, right? He's <laughs> <laughs> come all people. He, he's like he's got a very like dating thing. Makes going. you want to go to yeah. Florida, doesn't it? It does. Yeah, yeah. Here's some <laughs> rock and roll down there. Absolutely. So the Mason Pace Band, and hopefully we won't leave anybody out here, but his bassist is Cameron Martell, mm -hmm. and um, Brent Woods on guitar. Uh, Brent played for Taylor Hawkins, Cotel mm. Riders, uh, guitarist for Sebastian Bach as yep. well. I mean, this is a crack band. Yeah, I mean, it's just complete. Like that's it. That's like top level. That's a who's who right there. Yeah, you know. So, said he did some work with Kiss. Um, and, and something I read, um, Brent worked on a project with Kiss. Okay, he does orchestral music. He makes film, TV scores. Okay, probably, yeah, they're one of the, the video productions, perhaps. But yeah, Brent okay. still is the, the lead guitarist for Sebastian. Sebastian's yeah. been torn. Yeah, and uh, we'd love to have Sebastian on the show. Um, he's or got, Brent. Yeah, or Brent, <laughs> any of those guys. Talk to all of them, absolutely. I mean, you know, Sebastian Bach's one of those guys so fired up and so enthusiastic for new bands, too, you know? So yeah. you know he'd be loving a project like Mason Pace and JT Lux. I mean, you know, he's all about, like, just rock and roll, live energy, and, and that next generation, too. And, and this is it, man. That's why we're proud to do this, man. Uh, he's been making music since he was a, a youngster. Yep. Got into Pro Tools when he was like 16. Classically trained, as you said, right? Classically trained. Yeah. Um, Brent is now his producer. Yeah. I mean, it's like, dude. And his dad was a big influence, too, yes. uh, yeah. musically. His dad, uh, Mason's dad, was a huge uh, guitar influence on him. So yeah. it's all there. I mean, you have all those pieces, you put it to work, and you come up with this killer, killer record. Yeah. So uh, we're, we're really excited to... We're going to go into some music here from King of Hearts. Yeah. Check out this track. Trained. 
Mason Pace joining us of the Mason Pace Band. Uh, Welcome. Set release, yeah, set to release King of Hearts, the EP, on uh, August 6th. The release showcase is uh, August 13th. And we are just so pumped. We were checking out um, the uh, video for uh, the title track and, and just uh, so many other uh, projects you've been a part of, man. And uh, I love your stuff. First of all, how, how are you feeling with this uh, EP complete and uh, ready to come out? Well, yeah, thank you very much for having me on, by the way. Um, I am super stoked because this is a new way that I'm approaching it. Before I had been loosely writing, I had my first album, Whateverland. That was stuff I'd written when I was 15 years old. Okay. So a lot of this okay. new stuff is very cutting edge. It's darker, it's bigger, it's grander, and it just really worked out. And I went to LA, I met my producer, Brent Woods, and we just really, really hit it off. And as you could see, Reborn and King of Hearts got a lot of great positive um, feed. I got a lot of positive feedback from it. And we got a lot of shows booked and we're looking to go big with it. Yeah, I, I bet, especially as things are finally coming back online, can't, get out, can't wait to get out there and jam, right? Yeah, man. <laughs> it's been quite a bit, but we're getting back in the swing of things. And uh, me being in Florida, I've actually been quite grateful to have been able to play more than most people around the country. Well, I see the, the sun there coming through the window on you. Uh, that nice Florida sun. I, I lived in uh, Orlando for five years. What's it, what's it like in, in Boca? That's where you are, right? Yes, sir. Yeah. Boca is a very nice town. Um, no bias. No bias. It's a very, very nice, pristine town in Boca. Um, Miami is an hour south of me. To give a little idea, Miami's the closest uh, major city. Um, Orlando, Disney World is three hours north of me. And I mean, Florida is just hot. That's the only way to really put it. It's just hot and in the summertime you breathe soup because it's just so humid mm. and oh yeah every time i go out to california or nashville it's just like oh my god there's no humidity it's it's great <laughs> and I'm just reveling a little bit that uh what's the scene like down there is it is there a, a pretty big metal hard rock scene where you are there is a big metal scene in uh uh, Orlando. I just did a gig in Orlando in May and I got an amazing response. The fans there are super cool and super supportive of uh, local acts and local bands. Um, and when people say rock is dead, it's just not true because I've just, I've seen it firsthand. Um, and even in Miami, there's a really good scene as well. And being a part of those shows are really fun. Well, you kind of tapped into our, our next question, or maybe if I could predict that, Jane, maybe our next question here. I mean, you know, you, you're right. Rock is definitely not dead, and you've opened for Vince Neil, Cheap Trick, Joan Jett, and Ace Fraley. We're huge Kiss fans, and uh, you've even played alongside Phil Collins. I mean, what what do you think it's been like? Uh, what's it been like for you to share the stage with them? And and can you only imagine what they're thinking? You know, Rock is definitely alive and well. Yeah, I mean, I have had a few amazing opportunities to open for my idols. Um, yeah, you, you said a few, Cheap Trick, Joan Jett, Vince Neil, Ace Freely, Sebastian Bach. Funny enough, I met my producer, Brent Woods, 
in 2017 because he plays for Sebastian Bach. Oh, and wow. I didn't even know that he'd be my producer three years later. So it's right like match made in heaven. Uh, and well, to, to, to say the least, match made in heaven, Mr. Brent Woods. Uh, but yeah, I've also played alongside Phil Collins as a part of his Little Dreams Foundation. And that was really fun. Um, we raised a lot of funds to, um, to fund the cause of helping underprivileged kids who can't afford to achieve their dreams in music or not, not achieve, but pursue. They, they like want to buy a drum kit or want to buy a tennis racket. They want to buy um, a, a paint and an easel, that type of thing. For the kids who can't afford that, we raise um, a lot of money. And that was a really good cause that I was a part of for a long time. Yeah. Very cool. Man. What, um, <clears throat> talking about Florida again, just for real quick, um, talking about how important it is to have that local <clears throat> band base behind you and that local scene. I do remember, where did you play in Orlando? Called the Haven. The Haven? Okay. Massive stage, massive speakers. Not the biggest place in the world, but it'll pack people. That's that's where even my favorite bands come through in, in the tours. Um, and I'm actually playing up there again, September 18th, which uh, I'll be announcing real soon as a part of a tour. Because <laughs> okay. when I lived when I lived there uh, in Tampa, the, the death metal scene was massive. Um, and as you know, that yeah. scene went on, that, that scene exploded and, and took off across in, you know, in the Tampa, world. It's, it's, it's uh, in Tampa, it's pretty prevalent that it's, it's, it's Tampa's I've noticed is a little more brutal. Um, yeah. Where like Vader and like cannibal corpse passed through there. Yeah. It's, it's pretty cool. I, I haven't been out to Tampa yet, but I've heard and seen a lot of good stuff. Yeah. It's gotta be such a great energy too. You know, I mean, it's just some of those venues, right? Well, some yeah. of those, those venues you talked about it has to be so cool. <laughs> yeah. I, I appreciate that. All those, all those videos were directed, filmed and recorded, you know, by ourselves. The King of Hearts video was done in our garage and wow. You know, we are just a powerhouse and we're um, ready for anything. I mean, we're ready to tour. We got our show ready on 813 in our hometown. We're playing our album in full. We're playing the crowd favorite covers, but they're also our own versions. And yeah, we're just fully produced, man. I'm, I'm, I'm glad you guys really dig it. I appreciate that a lot. Yeah, Shane, who did you hear? Or what were some of the, what did it remind uh just the the phrasing and the song and the sound of the the uh, uh, King of Hearts just reminded me. Of, uh, I, I know you guys hate when you hear this. Reminded me of that, but we always have to draw from something, unfortunately. And I I heard uh, some Killing Joke in there. I don't know if you're a fan, but I know I, I like Killing Joke a lot, actually. Um, Great I've riff. Actually, I've actually gotten into um, that's along the lines of like Strapping Young Lad. Because I, I wrote King of Hearts before I really started listening to uh, Strapping Young Lad. And I even loved Devin Townsend before I found out about Strapping Young Lad. And I was listening to, I, I was listening to Strapping and I'm like, this sounds like just a more brutal 
Devin Townsend and I love it. And I'm like, oh shit, it is Devin Townsend. Oh. <laughs> well, yeah. the massive production wall coming into my ears is like, oh, oh it's Devin Townsend. So just a nice thunderous riff in there with with that that pacing is just so good, man. Thank so you. good. Thank so, you. Talking about, um, talk about your influences, like just who you kind of grew up with, listening to. I mean, I'm sure some of the people you, you said that you opened for, but just what are some of the other folks that who really influence your style? I've got a massive Steven Tyler behind me right now. <laughs> yes. Um, Gotta love it. Yeah, Aerosmith was one of my first concerts ever. I love Steven Tyler as a front man, Joe Perry as a guitarist, the whole band. I love Aerosmith to death. Um, from the classics, Aerosmith, Black Sabbath, Ozzy. I really connect with Ozzy Osbourne because his he's, I'll say it out front, he's not like the most technical singer in the world, but it's just his style is so distinct. And yeah. I'm told a lot that my voice is so distinct and I absolutely love that about Ozzy. And he's, he's just his own being. <laughs> it's pretty crazy. Yes. Um, other ones, Queen, Led Zeppelin, uh, Van Halen, and then some of the newer bands I absolutely love are Primus. Primus is my favorite band of all time. I'm going to see them next month. I'm very excited. They're playing Farewell to Kings by Rush. They for Rush back in their heyday, and they're just so good. I love Les Claypool. And then other ones include Gojira, Ghost, Ginger, um, Mastodon, Ghost. That's the Ghost. Yeah. Ghost is pretty cool. Shane, did you and I see them live? Was that with them? Yeah. 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 It was an awesome show. That was like, yeah, they very were evil. very evil. Yeah. <laughs> so good, though. I mean, the like, they really channeled Blue Oyster Cult, too. And oh, God. Yeah. But they're just so different and so sinister and spooky and yeah. it's i love that type of stuff i love the little spooky the spooky music sometimes they do it too with a, a bit of tongue and cheek in there you know it's kind of like you kind of know that um even though they're being over the top you know that there's some some humor involved you know oh it's just satirical forever i mean it's yeah it's really it's really good i first saw that, them i'm like ooh. Really? The, the, the demon mask and the demon yeah. But I'm like, oh shit, what, what the hell is this? Rats always yeah. got seen, but it's like the video is just... <laughs> <laughs> I love the melody. I love the melody of the song. It's just like, this is a little too much. <laughs> yeah, I, I saw them when they came down here. They're really good. Yeah. And to be on tour with them would be... Oh, man. Would be with the, the print behind you, is that a, is that a Zach? A Whitford picture, or is that a painting, or what is that? This is a Michael Israel painting. So, uh, if you, I don't know if you can see the bottom here, but it says yeah. Michael Israel. And then at the top here, that's his handprint. That's the uh, Michael Israel is one of my really good friends in the area who um, I've played at a few of his um, art showcases, his studio openings he's been super supportive of me and he's one of those artists. He, I think it's, it's speed art where you like, okay. you, you start with a canvas and you just splatter and you go. And then in, in the middle of it, he turns it upside down and you're like, Oh, I see what he's doing. Oh, wow. Okay. He, he makes this beautiful piece in like 
what five minutes it's nuts it's insane this is his original steven tyler that i'm proud to have and also also right here i've actually got um he he gifted me this over the pandemic this is wow uh, oh my god wow that's fantastic my man fred ready baby yeah yeah he He uh, did that upside down I uh let's let's see that's that's how it started that's how it, that's what it really started. oh wow happy but, uh, Dr. Brian May by the way <laughs> what's that happy birthday to Dr. Brian May by the way it's his birthday today oh yeah I saw that today was, yeah, yeah. Very, um, but he he was holding live streams over the or uh, Michael Israel the artist was holding live streams over the pandemic and several times he invited me to be a part of the show. So I would play a few songs on, on my own in between his painting. Um, and at the end of every single one of his live streams, he would hold an auction. And at every single one of the auctions was his Freddie Mercury that he had done that night. And, and he starts every bid at a dollar. So I'm like, I bid a dollar on the Freddie. <laughs> like every time I was in one of those, I'm like, dollar on the Freddie, please. Dollar on the Freddie, please. Well, he, he saw that and he gifted me a Freddy and it was so cool. very, very cool of him. But yeah, you should check him out. He's one of the best artists you can find. Definitely. Man, it's got a shimmer to it. I love it. Thank you. Yeah, it's beautiful. I, I love having uh, Steven and Freddie looking over me. Yeah, <laughs> you can't go wrong. They won't steer you wrong. No, sir. Wrong. Yeah. <laughs> so, so what did you... Uh... Did you, what did you get into first? Did you get into uh, voice or did you get into guitar first? Well, my first instrument ever was piano. I was okay. four years old when I started music altogether. Um, it was one of those, you know, that, that phase that every parent has with their kid where it's like, my kid needs to like get into a hobby, right. like kid needs <laughs> to something in life. So it was, it was that phase in my life where my mom put me in soccer and I was the kid that ate grass and sat in the, sat in the dirt. Um, I played baseball for a little bit, um, which was fun. I do love baseball. And then little do people know I'm actually a black belt in karate. I got my black belt when I was 10. Okay. That was one of the things that I did when I was younger, but even um, it was around three when I started karate, but it was four years old when I got put in mommy and me classes. And I guess it just sort of clicked with me. And I started with piano. And then at seven, I started with guitar. And then when I was 10 years old, I started singing and started doing recitals. And uh, I was singing like Oliver Twist and uh, like Phantom of the Opera when I was little. And when I was 13, I started my band. Wow, sweet, man. And, and uh, how did you guys meet? I mean, how did, um, like, just tell us about those early days when you guys all got together. Say that one more time. I'm sorry. He broke right. Just tell us, tell us about the early days when you guys all got together in the, in the band. Well, um, yeah, I was 14 years old. My first gig was at a, uh, a place called the Big Kahuna down in Fort Lauderdale. And that was like a little burgers, <laughs> a little tiny restaurant bar. And um, sorry, <laughs> it's so good. I was I was taking uh, I was taking school of rock lessons. Um, so at the school of rock, I had several friends that I had as a part of the band, and 
yeah, we, we played a little bit. I had some kids come and go because, you know, everyone in my band was always older than me. Yeah. So well, kids were going to college all the time. So they had to leave a little early, but I've been playing with my bassist Cameron for five years now. Okay. I'm playing with my drummer Alex for about three or two years now. And then we have our backing singer, Kayla, who, um, who's been singing with us ever since February, February of last year. Um, we had a show called One Love Bahamas that headlined Lita Ford, Ingve Malmsteen, um, and Foghat. And that was a really fun show, but that was the month before everything went to shit. So, <laughs> yeah. so we didn't have a gig for a long time, but uh, no, she's, she's performing regular gigs with us and we're super stoked. I know you're probably so tired of talking about this, but what, what was the last year like for you? Were you, did that kind of, uh, <clears throat> having so much time to yourself and, and introspection and such, did that play into like your sound and direction change kind of, and, and putting this record together? Yes and no. Um, it's funny because Reborn, Reborn, the first single that I released off my EP, I wrote when I was a senior in high school. So that was wow. 2019 and um, before everything happened. And I had written that as a final project in my Gothic literature course. And I know it's a good song because I got a 96 on it. <laughs> nice. To add on to that, what has been hilarious, I think it was two days ago where I think my teacher from that class heard me talk about a 96 in one of the interviews and he put it on his Instagram story he goes, we're going to write a wrong here. And he pulled up my grade from two years ago and changed it to 100. So the, the project's now officially 100%. Love it. <laughs> out of his good heart. And I love you, Dr. Mendes, very much. Um, but yeah, that song was written as a demo in 2019. And then the rest sort of just all came together during the pandemic. It all turned into one big happy package. Um, and then it was August that I met my producer and he said, I know exactly what you're about. Um, we can, we can get that sound out there. And the demo was already sounding grand. It was, it was, um, mysterious, grand, heavy, um, but still catchy, um, so I went out there to LA and recorded three songs, including Reborn and King of Hearts that, that, you, that you heard already. And then I went back this past April to record two more songs. So it is gonna be a five song EP that will come out August 6th. And I'm super stoked for you guys to hear it. And I have a lot more content coming out after that as well. Man, can't wait. So you're always creating, right? You're always feeling kind of inspired, right? Yeah, yeah. I mean, it takes a lot of inspiration to write the way that I write. And the thing with COVID is that it, it was a little bit of a struggle because I wasn't out of the house to be inspired. Like I, I've written, I've written enough songs about being cooped up in my house and being isolated. And I just needed to write 
you know, outside of the house. You need to go out. You need to experience life. You need to go through heartbreak. You need to go through happiness. You need to go through all these things. But it's just a standstill when you stay at home and can't go anywhere. Yeah. Um, so that's where it was a little bit rough during COVID was the lack of inspiration. But we're back in the swing of things. Um, my favorite bands are touring like crazy now. We're booking a lot more shows. And yeah, after this album cycle and after, after our August 13th showcase, um, I'll be recording more music and um, giving you even more. And I'll, I'll be releasing singles re regularly after that. And you won't see me stop. I can't do anything else. Feed the machine, man. We rockers love it. <laughs> oh, what what uh, format uh, do you kind of embrace yourself? Do you kind of, Mason, do you kind of feel like, uh, are you a record collector? Or are you into digital? Is CD or is there you like cassettes? Um, I mainly listen to, I have a Spotify and I know it's really bad. It's, uh, it just was so convenient, but I do have vinyl. I have a vinyl record player I got for Christmas a few years back. And I have a big collection of vinyls that I just love. I've got, um, I mean, you can't have a record player without Dark Side of the Moon. Um, you can't have a record player without uh, Sergeant Pepper. I've got, I, that's one of my favorites to listen on vinyl. Yeah. And then got a whole bunch more, like just from my favorites, like the, the first Rush album, Selling the Seas of Cheese, Primus. Um, I've got a lot of Beatles albums, Revolver, um, Abbey Road. But yeah, it's mainly vinyl where like, I'm just like chilling in my room or like doing homework and I put on a vinyl record or um, Spotify. And Spotify actually makes it really easy to be discovered, which is pretty crazy because you'd think that like streaming is so popular that you get swamped in it. Spotify is really good at finding what you like. And the reason that I love my favorite bands right now is because of Spotify. So, yeah. I mean, the, the streaming, the finances of streaming can be a little bit rough, but in terms of discovery, Spotify is really good. Yeah. That's good. Yeah. Go ahead, Shane. Sorry. No, I just, how about that? Uh, Lennon uh, Claypool projects those, those, those records are so good and then claypool delirium so much i love that band so much because the best way to describe them is like if the beatles kept going i feel like that's what they would sound like if they kept going that's um, a great point because yeah. they they got weirder and weirder and it definitely was going down the path that you hear claypool lennon and they're just Les Claypool is a genius songwriter. Like he just knows how to find a groove. And every time I listen to his stuff, I love the riff and the groove, but I feel like I'm listening to it new every time because it's just so weird and so, it's so screwed up. <laughs> Some fat tones too, right? I mean, those tones are just like, the stuff he, he comes up with is just- Silly, it's so silly. I mean, I, I saw him, I saw him in 2017, I want to say. It was right after they released their newest album, The Seven. And they came to the Hard Rock Orlando and I drove three hours to see them. And I'm like, I am not missing this. I went up and saw it and 
just blew my mind. It's just so good. That's a funky looking record, the seven. That's the coolest record. It's like a rainbow colored it's and they so threw well stuff done. at. Yeah, it's so well done. My my favorite is still Sailing the Seas of Cheese, though. Yeah. You just you can't beat Jerry was a race car driver, Tommy the Cat. Um Sergeant Baker. I mean, really like yeah. holy crap, what an album. Yeah. The, the, the seven was right around the time that I started getting into them. And they're like, we're releasing a new album. And I'm like, yeah. <laughs> that was such a weird release, but it's great. Everything I, I agree with you, everything he does. Yeah. Less less and, and Trevor Dunn are two of the, the greats on oh. the bass right now. Yeah, it's, it's it's amazing. I love Getty Lee too. It's 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 too bad that Rush won't be playing anything anymore because my my dad has seen them like twelve times. Oh my god! And I never got to see them, but yeah, I'm with you. I I one band I missed. Never they just whenever they were coming around, I was either out of town or I didn't know about it. I, I feel the same way. It's like oh, you know. Yeah, you had to get tickets for, for Rush. Like otherwise, you were. <clears throat> gonna spend a lot of money for some some nosebleeds yeah, yeah. but what's crazy they, though is king crimson is coming like 10 minutes yeah. from here yeah that, that's crazy to me I'm like really like i've i've performed on the stage that they're playing on like i may just go i may go see them yeah man. oh that's cool that's yeah i saw they're they're too and i saw the, I, was, I got a, a notification on facebook so I, isn't that great though? I mean, I, like I said, I know you've been playing for a while in Florida. It's been kind of, it's, you know, you guys had things under, you know, under control relatively pretty, pretty well, but it's like, you know, to see all these bands touring, like I just saw Dawkins touring. I'm a big Dawkins fan. And I just, I love these alerts, you know, and new music made and has a new album coming out. Like it's gotta be exciting as a fan of music too, right? Not just a music maker yourself, but as a fan of music to see all these shows coming back online. Well, yeah, I get it makes perfect sense because all the people who had something before the pandemic held on to it. Right. And then the people who didn't was able to make something through the pandemic. And now by 20, by the end of 2021, everyone has a product and everyone's touring. What I'm, what I'm very upset about is um, when I'm, I'm going to see Gojira in October, Okay. but they're only stopping in Orlando. So I'm driving up to Orlando to see them and it's on October 20th. Hmm. Slipknot, right after I got the tickets, Slipknot announced their date in West Palm on October 20th. Oh, and West, West Palm is a, a 30 minute drive from here. And I'm like, ah, oh, like I was meaning to go see them. <laughs> but Gojira already has my ticket. So that's where I'm going. Yeah. Yeah, that, that happened to me with uh, Motorhead uh, last last time they played Philly before Lemmy died. Uh, they, uh, I went, I got tickets to see uh, Jesus in the Mary Chain, and uh, who I will see, I'll see them every time they come through, and because um, they 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 don't tour a, a whole lot, <clears throat> and then like two months after I bought the tickets, found out that Motorhead was coming. And I'm like, I'll just, I'll catch Motorhead on the next time around. But Damn. unfortunately, there, yeah, there wasn't a next time around, but that's too bad. It, no, it's no. hard. It, it's hard sometimes to know what shows to go to. It's true. Man. Philly, Philly, there are so many shows here, right? That was the one thing that used to drive me crazy in Florida was that 
um, when good bands oh, came through. There. Yeah. They just, nobody wants to go down into that part of, you know, because it's out of the way. Right. They just right. kind of scoot over. They'll go as far as Jacksonville and then they'll, they'll go up to New Orleans. But yeah, only, um, only the big people stop by Miami. And then even the biggest metal bands in the world only stop in Orlando. And right. it's, yeah. come on. Like, right. <laughs> I'm, I'm, I'm driving three hours to see Primus next month. I'm driving three hours to see Gojira the next month. And then I'm driving three hours to see Ginger the next month. Right. You just crash there? Is that what you do? So I yeah, I, I crash there. And because I'm, I'm going by myself, I may, I may just drive home. Oh, wow. I, last time I went up there to, I, last time I went to Primus, I went with my dad. So we stayed in a hotel room and then we drove back the next morning. But uh, no, I may, I may drive home. But I'm super stoked for those. Yeah, just a very unique state to see see groups, and that's all. Yeah. Uh, did you get? Um, was your dad in a lot of the same kind of music too? Like, did you guys bond? Uh, you know, do you guys bond over music a lot? He's the reason I'm into rock. Um, when I was very little, he showed me Zep. Like my, my first concert ever was Robert Plant. Wow. Robert, Robert, Robert Plant and the Band of Joy in like 2008 when they came out with their record with, uh, oh, what's her name? Uh, uh, Alice. 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 Yeah, yeah, yeah that, that's, that was a good one. Great. I love and I love Robert Plant. I love his solo stuff. So we went to that. I was like, what, eight years old? Um, and then, yeah, he's he introduced me to Ozzy Aerosmith. Zeppelin is his, is his favorite band. Um, and then it was because of those influences that I was able to explore more. And that's why I love, you know, bands like Primus and Gojira. Yeah. I ended up really, really digging them. Um, my parents definitely don't like Gojira or <laughs> Ginger, but that's okay. Not quite their uh, cup of tea. <laughs> no, no, a, a little bit more brutal, a little bit more technical, but uh, yeah, I, I, I eat that shit up. and. That's what I'm, I'm, what I'm trying to do is, you know, be a part of it all. Um, if I can get, um, I'm getting my band and I in front of as many eyes as possible. We're booking a lot more in the state of Florida. Um, we're trying to get out of state. We're trying to get out of the Boca Raton area. Cause I will admit it's a little bit odd of an area in when it comes to music. Right. Um, but, you know, I've been able to do a lot of really good things here already. And the pandemic had us realize it's like, you know what? Let's let's travel. Let's 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 get the hell out of here. So we're we're looking to get out of the area a little bit more. And uh -huh. to be honest, every time we do that, we have a really fun time every time. That's the best. Yeah, the north the northeast will embrace you. I that, that this is like heavy metal, hard rock central. So. I love to hear that. Yeah, yeah, but the thing with Florida is you drive seven hours to get out of the state. And right. It's, <laughs> it's a little bit testy. Michigan's like that too. We always do the mid and you drive up all the way up to the UP and it's like, you can drive 10 hours and you're still in the same damn state. Well, <laughs> <laughs> hours even, I mean, yeah. nuts, man. You're just worn That's out, you're like, where am I, Florida? Really? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. 
Well, the, the, the artwork for this record, I, I, I'm talking about artwork a lot here today, but um, this artwork, dude, oh, yeah. just who, who did the artwork for that? And I like the, the play on uh, like a deck of cards kind of thing. Yeah, I actually found him on Instagram. Let me pull up his actual name. Um, he's on Instagram under uh, Tomo77. Okay. T-O-M-O-77. I know his name is uh, his name is Tony, but he's really really good. Um, I found his stuff on just my explore page as I was uh, just searching for artists and searching for people, and um, he has like that that type of um, that type of art is called a like a it's, it's a woodblock art. It's a very like ancient okay. type of design where it's only three three colors. And I was, and I scrolled through his feed and I saw that and I'm like, oh man. And what's really cool is I didn't even realize it when I was um, getting the artwork from him. Um, I showed, I showed several people the artwork. And if you look at it, there's a massive hidden heart in it. Mm. And it's, like where his where his face is. His face is, yeah. His face has a black heart yeah. right in the center. And I didn't see it until yeah. I had the artwork in my hands. Yeah, there it is. Wow. That's so cool. I I uh, yeah. I love how he put he incorporated your logo in there. Thank you. And uh, that I so he does he does uh, he carves that into wood blocks and then and then stamps oh, it. Well, no, it's it's not literal, but it's a it's a type right. of uh, style. That's, okay. It's very firm, very rigid, and very symmetrical, but mm -hmm. very beautiful. Um, and he did an amazing job with that. And um, I asked him after I after I got the artwork, I'm like, "Was this heart right in the center intentional?" And he goes, "That's what I call a happy little accident." And I'm like, <laughs> "Wow!" So both both the musician and the artist did not see the heart <laughs> in the King of Hearts. Um, it's in the King of Hearts uh, artwork. And I, I'm even wearing my uh, merchandise that's got it on. I don't know if you can see it on. Right on. Yeah, I'm selling the new, uh, the new merchandise that's got my new logo on it and right here. That's all available on my website, masonbasemusic.com. And I'm uh, also selling these at my shows. Right on. I just designed the logo. I like that. It's very cool. Thank you. Yeah. Yeah. It just, it just came about. It's uh, it's derived from the peace symbol. Yeah, I was gonna say. Yeah, I dig that. Very nice. Thank you. Are you are you gonna do a theme off of his artwork? Are you gonna do, you know, Queen of Spades or something? I don't know. I just. <laughs> well, are you gonna do a ser series of? It's like uh, I'm trying I to think. I have I have a full house of a of a of a album. Uh, yeah, that's a good idea, but that has not crossed my mind. <laughs> I was thinking it was who is it? Baroness. Baroness kind of has a has a theme to their record covers. They kind of use the same guy yeah, or with, gal. With King of Hearts, that just happened to be the name of my song. And um, right, one thing that I sort of figured out was that the King of Hearts is deemed the suicide king. Because it's the only king in the deck that has his weapon in his head. 
All the rest gotcha. of them are holding their weapons right here, and the rest of them just have the knife. And so oh, no. the, 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 the King of Hearts has it going through his head. Mm. And um, the song is a song about suicide. And I've seen, I've seen too many instances where like people contemplate it and then actually are considering the horrible alternative. Well, this song advocates and really pushes for the choice of life right. in, 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 a, in a decision that no one should be having. Um, yeah. It highly advocates for the, the good side because um, you know, in, this, in the song, it describes the consequences of the bad side. Like, and if you look at the video, the guy in, in the cloak conceives death and he gives the king of hearts off to, um, off to his victims. Um, so that's what it's all about. And it, King of Hearts just happened to be, it just, it just came together where it was like, he's the suicide king. Mm. That's a good message. I think there's a lot yeah. of, a lot of issues with that right now, especially coming out of this whole pandemic with uh, younger yeah. people. Yeah. And I've seen statistics where it's like the, the, Suicide rates with, I don't mean to be in a massive depression mode, but the tweens, like tween girls, the rate of suicide has just gone up exponentially since the start of Facebook in, what is it, 20, 2009, yeah. something like yeah. that. Yep. It's gone up exponentially and um, a lot of aspects of modern culture are very just it's, it's not normal for a human being it's not normal for a human to be exposed to thousands of judgments at one time and it's a lot for one person to handle and too much to handle for some people yeah but um no i i uh i try to portray that message of you know um my music being a being that understands you it understands where you've been understands where you, what you're going through and the one big thing that i ask people that sort of clicks that light bulb over their head is um when you listen to happy music why are you listening to happy music because you're happy are you going to listen to happy music when you're sad or when, when something happened to you that day. No. Right. Why is that? Because you're not feeling the way that the song is feeling and you're sort of upset that you're not feeling that way. So what do you listen to instead? You listen to sad music, angry music, uh, angsty music. And the reason that that's, the, that's, that's, the, that's what you pick when you're in an upset mood is because it's not there to make you more sad. It's there because it understands where you've been. It understands yeah. you. It understands your situation. That's why people listen to sad music. And I've had people tell me, it's like, why don't you make happier music? Like, don't you want like happy-go-lucky music so that people dance to your songs? It's like, well, I write the way that I write. And, um, you know, sometimes life gets a little bit heavy. And that's, that's, that's where... Um, this this album's a little bit on the darker theme than anything that I've written, and I absolutely 
you know, just, just as a listener, I love darker, heavier music. Yeah. I'm, so, not, I'm not the person that listens to Pharrell's Happy all the time, you know? <laughs> but, uh, but yeah, that's, that's, that's where I come from as a songwriter. And uh, that's what I portray through my messages. And speaking of that theme, like when you do a video, you know, for something like King of Hearts or Reborn, do you feel like, you know, like this is a chance for you to, to convey the message in a, in a you've got the visual um, message too. Like how, how does that all come together and what does it feel like for you to not only um, speak or, you know, deliver the audio, but, you know, encapsulate it in video too. That, is that uh, pretty liberating for you? Yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm blessed that I am able to do that my, um, myself. Um, and just with the help of a label or a tour, it can be so much bigger. And that's what I'm excited about is for an opportunity like that. And I, yeah, I'm, I'm just putting myself out there so that it does become that way. Yeah. And um, yeah, with, with Reborn and King of Hearts, the visual aspects of it just really it just came together. It just appeared in my head. King of Hearts appeared in my head one day, and I had um, had my, my friends a part of it as 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 the cast. The the little boy is actually like one of my classmates' brothers, um, and he's a really good actor. Um, and um, I actually have their same music teacher, and I heard that he's uh, picking up drums. So. Nice. You're good for you, William. That's, that's pretty <laughs> awesome. You're picking up drums. Um, drums, yes. Yeah. Yes, sir. The world needs more drummers. Um, and then the girl in the video is actually my ex-girlfriend. Uh, and then the the, uh, the 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 guy who plays Death actually is one of our really good friends who um, who is the um, his his name is Roy and he is in charge of the Rockfest '80s festivals yeah. and uh he's he's the guy who put me on to open for cheap trick and joan jet nice. and all, all really good bands and you know that's just a really great experience that i've had and um and with reborn uh, there's that that was filmed in north miami like you would think that's like colonial spain but yeah no, there's, there's, there's not many places like that in Florida. I'm actually quite proud of myself. Um, you should be, man. Yeah, yeah that, that was a hot day, though. That was a really hot day, um, especially in my giant garb that I, that I was wearing. You remember? Yeah, yeah. Yep. But the one video I know you said you had your ex-girlfriend in it. Was it strange a little bit you know, because, you know, as a former girlfriend, like, you know, being... Or no, it's uh, it's it's on good terms. I can assure you. <laughs> you know what? No, you know what? Yeah. No, uh, no, it's it's it's. She wasn't my girlfriend during the video. Gotcha. I, I love how I'm giving you the real inside scoop. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I still get caught up on death. I can never take the word death serious because of uh, William Sadler's character and Bill and Ted's excellent adventure. Oh, I know. <laughs> <So>. <laughs> that <laughs> i saw that everywhere i never got to watch that and i yeah. love i think they just released the third one it, it was kind of it was but the first two were pretty funny it's just <clears throat> dumb dumb <laughs> stuff but dumb and dumb well, some, is my favorite movie of all time so yeah well if you like dumb and dumber i think you would 
you would like them. It's just silly. It's just silliness. Yeah. Sure, Southern California silliness. <laughs> they know how to do um, it. I mean, it doesn't get any better than that. Um, uh, uh, come on, dude. Like Harry, I have to pee. Just, just go, man. Oh man. <laughs> go. Yeah. Oh, that's a little warm. No, I, I love that. Yeah. I'm, I'm hoping they do one more, but yeah. who knows? Yeah. The, the sequel was well done. I'm actually. Yeah, it was. Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. So what? What? Uh, what's? What does the year look for? Like it's just pretty much gearing up for the, the release. Which when? When is the release for, for this again? August sixth. Um, that's in almost three weeks from now. Or. Yeah, almost, almost three weeks from now. Um, so August 6th is the official release. And that'll be out on all platforms. And then I've got my showcase happening on August 13th. And that'll be at Crazy Uncle Mike's in Boca Raton, Florida. Anyone who is in South Florida, please make the drive. I'll assure you it is worth it. Non-biased. It'll, uh, it's a... Uh, it's going to be really good. I've got it completely produced. We're all ready to go. And then the rest of the year, um, we are booking more gigs. We've got a few things brewing that I'm pretty excited to um, announce once they're all finished up. Um, like in, in 2019, um, I got a Gibson endorsement. I'm an official yeah, I was and <laughs> things are going to start happening with Gibson. The, the pandemic sort of slowed the processes of Gibson and its artists, but sure. uh, I just got a call from Gibson the other day and they're slowly starting to have things happen. So I'm super stoked to share that with all you guys. Yeah, and, and, uh, yeah we've got more shows up in the North Florida and even in different states that uh, I'm going to be releasing soon. So stay tuned, y'all. The Gibson cool. got to be cool. Uh, we saw Lizzie Hale was named as a Gibson ambassador, which was really cool. That, that broke. I, think, I love Hailstorm yeah. very much. Yeah. She is an amazing front woman, um, amazing guitarist. And, you know, I love Mrs. Hyde, um, Black Vulture. Yep. So good. There, yeah. I, they're playing a show down here with a bunch of really good bands. I think it was, it was Hailstorm, it was Shine Down, and then it was Dirty Honey. Have you guys heard of Dirty Honey oh, before? Yes. Yeah, yeah. I yeah. actually, got to, I, I got to, I oh no, it's um, no, I'm, I'm thinking of a different band. But Dirty Honey was at the Nam showcase when I went. Okay. In 2020, January 2020, they had Nam, and. Um, I got to meet a lot of cool people out there, but Dirty Honey played and the singer there's, I found Dirty Honey because it's because of a video that I saw where like it was, it was slashed. It was Billy Gibbons. It was Rick Nielsen. These just legends on the stage, all playing a whole lot of love. Yeah. And up front is the lead singer, Dirty Honey. And it's 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 that part in the song where everyone breaks. Uh, Mama, <laughs> you need it. Bam, bam. Yeah. 
And then he goes, ah! <laughs> and then he's like, oh, shit. That's awesome. Yeah, man. Yeah. <laughs> it was really good. So like, ever since I saw that video, I'm like, oh, my God. Dirty follow. Wow. Well, I have I have I have great faith in the future, man. I I really do. I oh yeah. I would never. Who was it? It was Gene, right? Gene Simmons says it. Rocks dead. Yep. So stupid. I, yeah. <laughs> Proving them wrong yeah. every time. Yep. No, yeah, it was just fun watching D Snyder and and I don't think Gene fought back too much, but D yeah. just every day for like a month picked that apart. <laughs> As everyone should. I mean, like seeing, seeing Dirty Honey, seeing uh, Royal Blood, seeing Greta Van Fleet, seeing, um, I mean, Gojira isn't really new, but they're super, super mainstream. Tool is a 90s band and they turned into the biggest band of, what was it, two years ago. They beat Taylor Swift in her debut or whatever it was. (laughs) Yeah, that was was, was crazy seeing that. Royal Blood and... And Gajir are probably the two biggest records of the year so far. Yeah. You know, and they're great sounding. They're there's a lot there, you know. I got to see Royal Blood Live. They came down to Fort Lauderdale. Mm. That's just another feeling. When you just you just sit there and you see a bassist and a drummer, and they're just yeah. rocking your face. And it's right. like, yeah. oh man. And then at, at some point, the uh like he strummed his bass and it just made this noise and then the drummer just got up and just walked along like the banister of the venue like on people's drinks on the (laughs) on their hands like all around the stage and I was right up front for it and it was nuts it was very very cool oh man so cool I saw this uh this little video it's like a minute or something on YouTube um uh, when Dave, when I was just doing a little bit of research, and I saw that you went to Third Man. Oh, yeah. You got to play around. What was that like? Holy crap. How deep did you go? That was, <laughs> that was a long you, time Yeah, ago. you look, it was like six, seven years ago, I think it was. Yeah. But, was yeah. That, how did that work? I mean, how did that, can you just go in there and start jamming, or is that yeah, so, at, so Third Man Records is a record store. Right. And I guess there are parts of it that are closed off to the public, but I went when I, I was, I was like 14 when I went there. That's, um, and when you walk in, there's like all your like weird records and they, they sign really good, but really strange artists. Like they're definitely really different. Um, and there's the record store and then you go in and then, there's all these super cool, like vintage, strange displays that you like couldn't even imagine in your head. Mm. And right on the floor is an amp, a guitar, and it's attached to a pedal, and it's his Bumblebuzz pedal. Do you are you familiar with yeah. that? Yeah. Like that's his sound. And you and you, it, there was a sign that said pick up and play. So, <laughs> cool. So, that thing up sounded just like Jack White, and that was really dope. That's that's so funny how you found that video because <laughs> that was really lo- that was a really long time ago. Um, and hey, you were a youngster after that trip. I got the Bumble Buzz, and 
what's really sad is I'm not Jack White. And there wasn't a moment that I could actually use that practically. It was <laughs> right. such a dope sound, but I couldn't use it anywhere. So I recently sold it, but it was a really, really cool pedal. And I even remember, um, I remember the first time that I listened to Jack White. It was when I was really young. Um, I was really young and it was when my dad was sort of, he'd already got me into Led Zeppelin. He'd already got me into Aerosmith. I was regularly listening to that. And then he puts on Jack White and I'm looking at him and I'm like, why are you listening to this garbage? I mean, it's just, <laughs> it sounds horrible. His, his dissonant tones and his really just um, unorthodox singing Oh, you know, I mean, he's one of my biggest influences now. I like it's it's yeah. that moment where you like, oh, I get what he's doing. It's 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 all, it's all about it's all about the riff. It's about the soul. It's about the groove. And Jack White and even his other projects, um, um, Dead Weather, Reagan Tours, um, and then there was one more. What was it? Oh yeah, his his, his solo stuff. His solo, solo stuff, yeah. I I got to see. I got to see Jack White for Lazaretto. He came to Miami for Lazaretto, and that's my favorite album that he that he's ever done. That's a good one. Yeah, yeah. His his solo stuff is out of this world, man. It's just so cool. It's kind of become like an ambassador for for music. Yeah, he's for young a, he's people. Pioneer. He really yeah. is. It's it's. Have you have you seen? Uh, I forget what the movie is called, but it's a documentary on Jack White. Jimmy Page and YouTube. Oh, yeah. The Edge. It might it, it might get loud. Yeah. Or not 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 YouTube. The Edge. Yeah. It yeah. might get loud. You got it. You got it. Um, but so good. seeing that was really cool. Like someone from the like a pioneer in, in guitar playing in the seventies, a pioneer in guitar playing in like the eighties and nineties, and then Jack White, who's who's the king of modern rock, and it's like wow. Yeah. That was, that really, still, really cool movie. It was so mind blowing when I saw that. I was like, "Gosh, what is it was." First, I was like, "Wow, this is an interesting collection." Like you said, a collection of people. But then I was like, mm -hmm. it "Makes sense. It's it's brilliant." You know? Yeah, I I, I learned in that movie that his guitar was made of plastic, Ooh. and I'm like, "Oh, that's why he sounds so so shitty." Like <laughs> that's, that's why he sounds horrible. But it's one of those things where, like, um, you know, you know, the meme with Primus, where like all the fans say Primus sucks, Primus sucks. Yeah. It's, yeah. The same, it's the same type of deal. <laughs> I was I was I was at the Primus concert where everyone goes, Primus sucks, Primus sucks. And us was like, thank you, thank you. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Oh man. Well, we are dude, we are just so pumped for you. We're excited for you and, and uh the Mason. Yes, we are and it's so cool. And uh King of Hearts, uh, the EP album release uh is uh 8-6-2021, the release showcase. Uh, as you said, is at uh, Crazy Uncle Mike's, right? Venue in Boca Raton, Florida? You got it. That is cool. Uh, and anything else you'd like to add at all uh, that we, we didn't get a chance to cover? Um, I think we got through a lot of it, but um, if you guys um, have social media, have Facebook, Instagram, yeah, man. Uh, I'm on all of that. My website is masonpacemusic.com. My Instagram handle is masonpace. If you type in Mason Pace on Facebook, you'll find me. And then, uh, yeah, I'm I'm repping my merch. Yeah. Uh, unironically, I uh, 
I ripped my merchandise. That's fantastic. That's so great. Nice. On it. But uh, no, thank you guys for having me. It was really cool meeting you. Y'all are super Thanks. dope. Yeah. You got a great rock and roll. Mason Pace. Very rock and roll. I like that. <laughs> Thank you. That's that's my birth name, believe it or not. The, the amount of people who are like, all right, but but actually, what's your real name? Like, <laughs> that's it. That's my name. It just yeah. rolls off your tongue. So. We're gonna do this, man. All right, Mr. Pace. Thank you, man. I appreciate it. Thank you so much. Have a good night, guys. Yeah. yeah.